0: fam, best friends and ghoulish nights and welcome to the 40th episode of murders with mertens i am your host joe and this is a podcast about horror highly stylized mid-90s thrillers body horror folk horror sci-fi horror the horror adjacent the psychologically terrifying scary films in general each episode i sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool viewers thank you for uh the support. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you're so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much needed love to this little podcast and audio listeners. The show is also available on podcast services around the world, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So don't forget to leave a rating when you stop by. Five stars is always appreciated, always helps out. And don't be afraid to uh, send me a little note if there's some audio issues with those. I know uh, there was something recently with a fun little clicking sound in the past seven episodes. Those have all been corrected. Everything should be sounding as good as it possibly can at this point. Uh, But enough of all that housekeeping, because today I have the privilege of welcoming back for his third appearance, Mr. Yasman 300. Yas, how the hell are you?
1: I'm doing well, Joe. And how are you? Because I'm doing It's been okay. a long time since I spoke yeah, to you. Yeah,
0: it's uh, been a minute since we've been on one of Mark's Zoom calls or anything like that. Yeah. And it's been roughly a year since we did uh, one of these together. So I'm glad yeah. to be able to get you back on, man. Um, mm-hmm. it, sorry that, you know, speaking of audio issues, uh, I'm a little bit under the weather. So my voice is a little jacked up. Hopefully yeah. the, the gate on the mic uh, will keep out most of the sniffling uh whatever it is going around work i seem to have caught it and i am uh working my way through it but uh mm-hmm. you know dedication to the podcast right um yeah but uh yeah yeah glad to have you back on man um yeah we've talked and about also
1: i would tell also the, the people i'm also it's been long time since i did a podcast even my own zone hiatus so i might be a little bit rusty with
0: my and with the way i'm
1: speaking so apologies also in advance Hey, we'll make it happen,
0: man. We'll make it happen. Uh, We've talked about doing the film we're going to talk about for quite some time. It just hasn't quite lined up with the two of us here. But, uh, you know, with spooky season approaching and the director uh, just a couple of months out from releasing his most recent film, This was sort of perfect timing, uh, because today's film is the 1995 classic Seven, directed by David Fincher and written by Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, The screenwriter—he is the screenwriter for Fincher's new film, The uh, Killer—was also a script doctor for one of our favorite films, Event Horizon. I saw. Uh, That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Right. Yeah. You also get uh, a great interesting history if you read about him. Say again. He has a very interesting
1: history, like the fact that he always argue with people, it's like, hey, because you've heard stories like how he uh, we talk about the history of the movie, but he has history, is like he always fights for his true vision of his script, and then the studio would inevitably change it because they found his script to be too dark, etc.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the film uh, didn't test particularly well, uh, and Uh, the critics didn't care for it. I mean, they kind of were mixed a little bit on it in its initial release, but it's gone on to be considered one of the greatest thrillers of all time with, uh, one of the greatest twists in, uh, cinema history as well. Uh, you also have a great Howard Shore score. This score just rips as it goes along, especially towards the, uh, towards the end of the film. Um. You know, no double
1: feature with signs of the lamp since they're both by yeah. the um,
0: school, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and not too many years separate the two either. Um, now this is Fincher's second film after his uh not so great experience doing Alien 3, which I unironically love. I, I really do love that film. Um, both it's I did an uh, episode with, uh, with our
1: friend uh, Lady Macbeth, and yeah, even after that was my first time watching, I was like. You know what, it ain't that bad, mostly because I saw the sequel, the other sequels, and, and compared to that, that's not as the, the worst thing that happened to the Alien franchise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and
0: uh, that work print version of it is pretty cool, too. Um, I, I think but for... But it,
1: still, I think that, that's not a proof of any cut they've made, even the work print. No,
0: no, but it's uh definitely an interesting take on the film and uh includes some scenes that were uh cut out from the uh from the script and it, it's just um it, it's an interesting watch for sure but uh yeah. watching this film uh, you can really see Fincher kind of developing his own style that you will yeah. come to know really well from watching his films throughout the years. He doesn't quite go full Fincher in this film, but you, you can see the beginnings of it. Uh, and, and I love it for it. Um, I, now I saw this. In, a lot
1: with first time directors. Like yeah. look
0: at people like who are not established, like,
1: Hey, you know what? I'll the studio are all over them because even you hear about the making of this film the, the studio were fighting over what how the vision of the movie is going to be and for this film it took the cast because you know Brad Pitt and Margaret Freeman had to fight for Fincher's vision and and what's the, the, the writer's name also Andrew what?
0: Uh, it was uh, Andrew Kevin Walker um, yeah, they had to also fight for his original script version. Yeah, it, it seems that, every that everybody involved kind of knew what they had there. And yeah. uh it's good that they fought for it, that's for sure. Um I because, can tell you something. Yeah. I believe if this movie
1: came out the seventies, I think the city would have greenlit because the seventies were the time with because this feels like a seventies movie. And I don't know if you know if you felt yeah. it. It reminded me of similar way of the of the French connection because how the characters are. Because you know how, like you know, the main character is not like a, a one hundred percent a good guy. Because you know, Papa is doing French Connection. How he is? Mm -hmm. Because you find out that he's racist, and you find out that him being come the way he's acting and then the ending yeah. is kind of similar. I, like it's a I, it's not I a wasn't going to bring
0: it up until later in the discussion, but yeah, uh, uh, Brad Pitt's character Mills is, you know, kind of a rampant homophobe throughout this thing. So it kind of has similar vibes where that's concerned. You know, it's one of the bits of the film that hasn't exactly aged super well, but, uh, that, and his well, use of the hard like R word, how he is. It, it does. It does. And it's also a product of its time too. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah it's kind of similar in that regard. You're absolutely right. It's a good call, man. Um, now I saw uh, this film.
1: And Also, it, sorry, bring up the French because we lost the great uh, William Friedkin. Uh, I just actually got so you yeah. know 200, I'm going to him. I'm gonna watch the French Connection. Yeah. And also, I would tell this to people: um, don't watch the one on Criterion version or the digital because they edited the film. And you, see, you might have heard about what they so did with yeah. the film. Yeah, yeah, that's by the blurry. I know it's not the 4K, but at least this is the edited, what the true version of the film.
0: Yeah, that's kind of fucked up, man. Um, Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, now back when this originally released, I probably saw this in its opening weekend in the theater. I was a junior in high school. Uh, And our minds, our our little minds were absolutely blown by this film when it first came out. It was such a perfect mid-90s film between, uh, you know, the soundtrack and, you know, the people that were in it. Uh, A little bit with the overall look and vibe as well, because, um, well, it's pretty 90s, all right. But but yeah, man... It's one of those things where I would give anything to be able to see this film with fresh eyes and not know the twist, even though this movie really does reward repeat viewings with the little, you know, nuggets about, you know, things to do with Mill's wife um, that are kind of sprinkled through and if you knew what was going to happen, you'd be like, Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. But um, yeah, I I still would love to be able to be shocked by, uh, uh, you know, the ending of this film all over again. Uh, I know you've told me that this is your favorite David Fincher film and one of your top 10 of all time. Um, Yes. uh, Why seven? Why, Why? Why have you brought us seven today?
1: I uh, no, know, it's because I like maybe the style of the tone and maybe the the endings like that was like the main reason why I like it and Also, it's because you know, I think I prefer this one more over Science of the Lamp because of how dark it is and It's one of this movie like it's makes you question a lot of stuff because I Because you know, when I remember watching it maybe I the first time years ago Maybe I was like into but now re-watching and learning more about I would like about the movie industry and especially, like I mentioned, the French connection and how 70s films were getting made. I was like, hey, you know what? Maybe this gave me a different appreciation about the film. Yeah. And also, maybe the, the filmmaking, also, because what they went through and they had to do some stuff involving Brad Pitt's character. How we will talk
0: about it later. All right. All I think right. you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later, yeah. like you said. But, um, yeah, it, this film just has a freaking look. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. A bit of that 70s vibe rolling through it as well. Um, it, Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of those films that's absolutely more horror adjacent. It absolutely falls in that thriller category. But it is horrific. I think horrific. this is the closest I've ever to a horror movie for me, I think.
1: I think it's more scarier than Alien 3, I'll say this. <laughs>
0: Well, I think Audition is pretty well a horror film at the end of the day. Yeah. But, uh, and the Lost Boys, come on, let's be fair. But, uh, but yeah, this, um, this is one of those absolutely horror adjacent, you know, all those people that want to say, I don't like scary movies. You'll often find out that they like Silence of the Lambs and they like this one as well. Um, this absolutely broke, um, Brad Pitt as, you know, somebody who could actually act, who, you know, was more than just a pretty face, because up until this point, that's kind of how he was marketed to a large degree. Um, and Um Getting had, him
1: to the movie was one of the reasons why the project was able to green light, the yeah. fact that he was the biggest star, him and Morgan Freeman, it's like, hey, we got two of these big stars, we were able to green it, and they also, they, like I mentioned, they fought for, you know, Fincher's vision for the film.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even though she's hardly in it, Gwyneth Paltrow is fantastic oh, yeah. in this. And it's probably a good thing that she and Brad Pitt were dating around this time because the chemistry yeah, really comes through.
1: One, some of the casting members, like, he was the one who him, he helped secured with people's like, hey, we can help this. And you know who they originally wanted, I think, for the... Because a lot of people were just passing on the part. It's like, man, this is too dark. I can't do it. Uh, I think Denzel was one of the actors. He, I think oh, he was really? approached first for Brad Pitt's character. But then I think he regretted and he did that movie with Rami Malek and Jared Leto. Remember, they did a movie with a similar type also, like the Hmm. detective going after a serial killer.
0: I can't remember which one that is. The Little
1: Things, I think it's called.
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? I haven't seen that, but uh, I don't know.
1: Some people, were they're not talking positive. Some are saying it's just another bad ripoff of Seven.
0: Yeah, I kind of did not get wonderful reveals reviews at the time, so I think I just kind of let it slip on by. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah, the cast, even was, all the little bit players in this, you know, you got Arlie Emery of as the captain. I was
1: Surprised to see in the film, I even forgot they were in it. Like I didn't know that Richard Ramsey was in the film.
0: Yeah, as the I DA and uh, uh, John C. McGinley as the the head of the SWAT team. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's God. Even the great character actor Michael Massey, and we'll we'll get to him later. Um, but uh, oh, I just
1: I remember who he is. He's yeah. the guy from The Crow, right?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, he was the one that happened, uh, yeah. pulled the trigger on the prop gun that yeah. uh, ended Brandon Lee's life. Him, um, the
1: day he died. Did you, he, he was also in The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, the guy Who was in the, episode, the end of credits. The shadowy guy.
0: Mhm. Yep. And, uh, he died of, uh, stomach cancer, I think back in 2016. Um, just unfortunate because that situation with the crow really messed him up. He took a year off of acting. I missed A lot
1: of people like, uh.
0: yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of a horrible situation. It's like, yeah, you're the one that pulled the trigger, but it wasn't your fault either. It's, but you're going to blame yourself still. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's kind of horrific um but yeah. yeah yeah not to dwell on that but uh but yeah the the cast in this Speaking thing the is
1: crow, man. Awesome. did you see the news that, that Lionsgate has got that right the new crow movie with bill skarsgård
0: yeah i've heard something about that i just haven't heard much since um seems like that came out quite a while ago that news but i can't I can't think of it. I've heard anything I mean, I know
1: else. that's movie already because that movie has a, product, has a production history, different directors and actors. Mm. And now I think they just filmed it.
0: Huh. Well, I mean, God I willing, it's something watchable. But, uh, yeah, the, the original film, I, I can't believe they were able to make as good a film as they were with, uh, you know, having to cobble together what they had shot. And...
1: Do you know who was uh, Brandy Lee's body double in that movie?
0: Um... Oh God, I know this one too. Yeah, um, I, I I can't the
1: director of the John Wick movies.
0: That's right, that's right, that's right. Yes, um, he was that- friends
1: with Brandon I don't know how close they were, but I know that they were the same training because then After he passed away, he, they they had to pick him because I think he had the same body figure. Mm-hmm. And he was—I uh, saw an interview with Scott Adkins was talking about, and and he looked very uncomfortable talking about it. Yeah, and, and I'm say sure he's that, that him, fucked it's him like, up hey, too. I never used like a real bullet in my sets after
0: this. Yeah, it's oof. again a really horrific story. It's if you happen to have a shutter subscription, uh, there's a docu series on the platform called Cursed Films, and they have a really great episode about the crow um it's just it's one of them also it's heartbreaking. the guys
1: episode it's, yeah the yeah
0: there's one about poltergeist there's one on the exorcist it's and that's one of the reasons why yeah it was sad that uh Friedkin passed and i appreciate you know uh his contributions to cinema but also at the end of the day the dude was kind of an asshole on a lot of sets um so, Man, but, eh, but I I'm, feel a but little conflicted I like that about he didn't him. Give
1: a, what, can we allow to curse? Yeah, by all means. <laughs> I like that he he's one to say that he didn't give a shit what people think. It was like, so like oh, yeah. someone asking, hey, how do I shoot my movies? Like, I mean, you just shoot the movie, shoot whatever you want, digitally, film, whatever. Just shoot the goddamn movie. It was like actors coming. It's like you you come in, like he told the story that you can watch it online, but working with that uh, actors like he said that I worked with Tommy Jones and we should turn the movie. I was like, I told Tommy Jones, you come in here, you walk over here, and you move there. Tommy Jones like, okay, so I come here, I come over here, and I move there. Okay. Then Brinsley Turner the was like, why do I have to come in here? I was like, just so, so, like, just move here. Then he would say that Nick Nolte when he was doing blue chest with him, he would hand him a note. He's like, my character's backstory. It's like this is not in the script. It's like this is what I believe. It's like. I don't care. It's like he would throw the script and then he would come to him. It's like, did you read it like, yeah, 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 I read it now. Come over here. Come walk over here and then move over there. This is what you should do.
2: Huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. His,
1: his stuff is really fascinating. Yeah, I heard about some of the stories. Some of the actors, people come in. It's like, you know, I know sometimes people say he's hard, but he cares about his movies, etc. Even with the movie, what did he did with Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd? A uh, bug, was it?
0: Um, he did that movie yeah too. i think that was one of, yeah. yeah yeah that sounds familiar
1: you see yeah. that when they were editing the film feed can laugh is it to them why it's like people are going to hate this movie he <laughs> <You>
0: knew <laughs> uh, yeah i don't think a lot of people like that film <laughs> i
1: think it's one of the divisive movies like critical school to like but the audience wouldn't they're gonna hate it yeah because that's why i liked about it and he also has a movie coming out and I don't know if you read like the studio kind of word, like how oh, he's old now. We don't know if you can have they had to have Guillermo del Toro like on set with him. Guillermo said, "I did not direct anything. Every seen, you watch in this movie, Fried can direct." I was just say, talking with him and making sure that he's doing well. He's well like, acquainted, everything, etc. Even mm. people who worked on the film, they could to praise del Toro. He's like, "Yeah, he was very professional. He loved working with us." Interesting, huh? Yeah, the movie I called the... Mu- the Mutiny of the, I forgot what it's, Mutiny Sun, because it's actually, uh, forgot what it's called. Um, it has, I think, what's his name, a Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Jason Clark, and the late Lance Riddick in it.
0: Huh. Yeah. Well, I should look into that sometime. Huh. I'll just add it to the list. The ever growing yeah. list that never goes down. <laughs> I mean, I tell <laughs> on
1: plus, yeah. And I thought some people were unhappy, it's not going theatrical.
0: Yeah. Uh, ah yeah. boy well you know we should get a little it's bit more on right. track it's here we should okay. jump into <laughs> things um <laughs> what do you say we do so uh we start yeah. things yeah. off with that sweet sweet new line cinema logo you know you know you're in for a good time with a 90s film if you're getting either that or the dimension films logo right yeah. <laughs> uh mm-hmm. but yeah we we start off in this unnamed city uh,
1: Newland and Dimension were the 90s genre films. This is where you need to, one genre yeah. to go to Newland or oh, big Dimension. Time.
0: Big time, yes. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. This unnamed city, it's clearly inspired by New York, but it also looks a lot like L.A. It's just a lot rainier than you would typically get in L.A. But, uh, you know, it's clearly – it's. You know, you read about uh, the creation of the script of this film, and the writer was really inspired by his time in the 80s in New York uh, with, you know, a kind of high crime and a lot of uh, drugs and everything else uh, during that time period. And it shows. Um, Let's see here. We've got... Yeah. Detective Somerset played by Morgan Freeman. And, you know, they they were introduced to him um, as he's kind of getting ready for his day. You know, he's picking up all of his stuff for his pockets. You know, you've got, you know, not only uh, his badge and uh you know that kind of stuff but also a switchblade um yeah. that's that's unusual but it, i think it's uh, a cool little touch for the character yeah. uh we cut to him at a crime scene where it's clear that this guy has been shot by his wife and it's kind of an open and shut and shot
1: the end, what's his name uh, the writer playing
0: the body oh that's interesting <laughs> yeah, did that not know <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, of course, Somerset, he makes a comment to the uh, the detective on the scene. You know, did the kid see anything? And the guy's like, the kid? The fuck we care about the kid, right? This is, you know, a slam dunk. We're all going to be no really glad when you're... Saying, oh, yeah. exceptional. Yeah, they're all going to be super glad when he's retired because he's the one that always asks these obnoxious questions um, that, you know, at the end of the day... Um, you know, just cause more trouble. They, you know, cause more paperwork. Yeah. He's just kind of a pain in the ass to them. Yeah. Um, and also he's the only one that he cares about it, and you can see him like he
1: he's we're better cup than any other cup of oh, yeah. force. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh then we get uh Brad Pitt's Detective Mills bounding up the stairs. He uh introduces him to himself to Somerset. Um and uh, they step outside. Uh, he's going to be partnered with him for basically the next week uh, before uh, Somerset retires, so that he can kind of take yeah. over his caseload and, uh, and well, eventually his office. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, the the topic comes up that you know in their uh, conversation on the phone, uh, Mills had talked about how he had you know kind of fought to get this assignment and to be relocated yeah. to this city. And that just mystifies Somerset because it's kind of a horrible place. Nobody wants yeah. to be there. And he He's
1: just... He's the hotshot guy. He's like, he wants to make a name yeah, for himself. The... Yeah,
0: that's exactly it. He calls everyone himself... That, as...
1: That's not just... Everyone who works in the they've met a guy who's
0: like this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This a job. He work, with someone like, who wants to make, make a name for himself. Yep. He's young and eager. And, you know, and that's kind of how... Uh, Somerset treats him, you know, telling him, Hey, you know, okay, well, during this week, you're going to be my eyes and ears. I want you to watch and listen. I w-, and Mills kind of takes umbrage with it. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't a stand around and garden a Taco Bell. He tells him, right. Um, you know, yeah. and yeah, they, they, they kind of get into it a little bit over this and, um, yeah, they just kind of cut from there to, you know, back later that evening and, uh, Somerset's back at home. And, um, you know, kind of getting ready for bed, and he's got all this city noise around him. He's just kind of reading in bed, and Mm. he's got this lovely technique of using a metronome to um, kind of help tune out the noise around him Mm. from the neighboring apartments and everything going on out on the street. And it it sounds like, you know, something horrible has happened out on the street, but um, he just... Gets the metronome started and he drifts off to sleep. And we get such a mid 90s title sequence at this point. We get a, yeah. a fun remix of um of uh Nine Inch Nails Closer. Uh and this kind of music and video. Future David yes, exactly. Uh yeah, Trent Reznor, uh, you know, Atticus Ross wasn't in the picture quite yet. I don't think it was until uh he was um Involved with him with their uh, little um, side project, "How to Destroy Angels," but uh, at this point, uh, Atticus Ross is involved with uh, Nine Inch Nails, and of course, you know Trent Reznor, and he uh, do also a lot of people that
1: Fincher was a music director, so I think yes, that's why he
0: knows that his music style. Absolutely, yes, we get this title sequence that feels like a music video, and done by
1: Kyle Cooper. For people do not know him.
0: Yeah. Uh we basically get shots of John Doe who, you know, we don't know exactly who he is at this point, but uh doing his work and, you know, putting his notebooks together and basically uh you know, shaving his fingerprints off and other just horrific stuff. Um great great use of the music and the imagery. Um it's it's perfect and super mid-90s. It is perfect um we we move on to uh, monday and yeah. somerset and mills uh they're in well they're going to be investigating uh the first murder but we're not quite there yet uh we've got mills waking up uh in bed with his wife tracy uh, they're clearly still unpacking. There's boxes everywhere. For some reason, they were eating Chinese food in bed the night before because there's empty cartons and chopsticks on the on the nightstand. And I love him kind of moving around the room, trying to be quiet as he gets ready. Uh, he kind of trips over something, and then he's sitting on the edge of the bed, and the phone rings, and he gets his call of where to go. And, you know, he just quickly reaches for it and because. You know, of course that's gonna help, but they have this kind of cute little moment together, establishing their chemistry. Uh he, he calls himself Serpico and she wipes an eye crusty out of the corner of his eye. Uh they're adorable together. They're 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 absolutely cute. Um but uh yeah, cut immediately to Mills standing in the rain, just kind of hunched with a couple of coffees uh as he waits for Somerset to get his uh gear out of his trunk. Um I, I love the bit with the coffees. How he got one for each of them. Somerset doesn't want it. So he just puts it down and then follows him. You know, and eventually he he just hands it off to this cop. We'll we'll get there in a minute. Um the, the officer at the scene he's a little callous about what has gone down and mills, um, kind of calls him on it. He's like, you know, Hey, you didn't check for vitals on this guy. You know, is that how it's done here? And they argue a little bit. Basically we have a gentleman who was found face down in a plate of spaghetti and yeah, uh, (laughs) it's, um, well we'll get there but um yeah i i like the back and forth conversation i like the the tracking shot through the rain it's um again we're, we're getting that little bit of fincher where the the action is dead center in the frame and the camera is perfectly following it and um it, we'll get more of that later in the film of course but uh yeah, the line about, uh, honestly, if this guy, you know, this guy was, uh, sitting at least for the past 45 minutes in his own shit and piss, if he were alive, he would have stood up already. The guy says, um, so yeah, um, Mills is done with him. He just gives him the coffee and they head inside. And this is where, uh, Somerset kind of calls him on the conversation. He's like, I'm curious what, what was the point of all that? Um, I I like his introspection here and there throughout the film, his questioning of mills and just the way he is. Um, it's again, just does a lot to establish the character of Somerset, I think. And just, you know, him being just kind of always a detective, right? And he also knows that because
1: having spent years on the force and the city, he knows how they are reacting. I mean, he knows very well that they <coughs> haven't checked the, Pardon. the body, even if he's alive. That's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, he's um it, Yeah, he he's not callous so much himself. It's that Basically, um
1: he gave up hope on the people and humanity. That's what
0: we is. I don't know that he's necessarily given up, but he's done with it. And that's why he's retiring and moving away. He just can't continue. And, you know, at this point, uh, when the film was released, Morgan Freeman was, uh, in his late fifties. Um, God, I I can't believe he's as old as he is now. He's uh, he's in his mid eighties now, but, uh, So I think we're meant to assume that, you know, that the character is roughly the same age as the actor at the time this was made. And, you know, sure. It's a time, it's an age when I think a police officer, you know, especially a detective, you know, might consider retiring, but also he seems to be the type of detective that would have a, you know, a good number of years left in him if he was still dedicated to what he was doing. But yeah, I think he's just done. Just done. Um, But yeah, uh, inside this... We talk
1: about in the ending something, he says the ending, I think we're like, we'll establish the character.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, we'll get there eventually. Um, So they find this just very obese man uh, at his kitchen. Shout out
1: to Rob Bowden for doing them special effects on the film.
0: Oh yeah the effects are great all the l- little uh, tableaus, yeah. you know the 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 scenes how the deaths are staged are something else as it is the production design in this film is amazing but you're right the yeah. the special effects the gore it's um it's yeah. very well done also it's this one very one,
1: movie's like because I think because budget restrictions didn't had to show the girl also did he finishes just like you know what we just kind of focus on people's reaction the way they talk about how the march is to, to make it more scary and and grizzly
0: yeah i think it's grizzly enough as it is it was definitely talked about at the time uh that's for sure but you can uh, see
1: why people were,
0: were passing on the project you're saying i'm not doing this oh it's very dark it's very very dark and just kind of nihilistic right it's yeah. wow it's which Again, kind of that '90s theme. It's uh, people were kind of in that mode at the time, uh, especially younger folks um, who, at the time, would have been probably older Gen Xers than I am. It's it's so are
1: parents right now, if I'm not <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, most of them are parents. Some of them are grandparents, believe and they or already not. have
1: you know children right now. One picture, they're seeing this for the first time.
0: Yep. So. Yes. Uh, They start investigating the scene. Uh, Somerset Mm -hmm. finds that the man is bound uh, both at his ankles Mm -hmm. and his wrists. Um, And at this point, uh, Mills is kind of walking around taking notes in a notebook and he's being just a little too chatty um Somerset even tells him just to be quiet at one point or another here uh he notices a big bruise on the back of the guy's head kind of in the shape of a muzzle it's pretty clear it was from a gun um but uh there there's a moment after Mills discovers this bucket of vomit under the table where the medical examiner enters the scene and Somerset tells Mills to, you know, he he, he asks him, would you please go outside and help the officers question the neighbors? And Mills is so angry in this moment. And he flips his light up in Somerset's face and just stands there and stares while Somerset very slowly takes his glasses off and then stares back at him. It's, and then it, you know, eventually Mills acquiesces there and then uh the, the medical examiner comes in and <laughs> lifts the guy's head up from the spaghetti. It's disgusting. He's like, Yep, he's dead. Um hmm. and yeah. Yeah, yeah, cut to the car ride away from the scene where you know hmm. Mills expresses his displeasure at what he was asked to do because he's got the experience. He he, you know, hasn't been you know knocking on doors and talking to neighbors in many years at this point. But
1: he didn't have experience with handling this type of crime scenes.
0: Yeah, That's it's. It. I mean, well, I mean, he's worked homicide for five years. He yeah, told but him. But the uh, other
1: thing is, where he what did he they came they come from? I think they say it was it Pennsylvania.
0: Uh, I don't think they mentioned. They really do not mention specific cities in this film. It's meant uh-huh. to just feel like. Any because big, the, busy, crime-ridden city. Um, and that's by and design. also, because
1: we do know that Mills, actually, I think maybe he says it later in the film, like he came to the city because he wanted to do bigger crimes, bigger homicide crimes.
0: Yeah, he, and, he wanted to make he, a name and for he, himself, and absolutely. Knew,
1: I mean, it was something new, like, hey, you're not ready yet. He knew, I, I, I think, think, from day one, like, <clears throat> he's, not there, he's not ready yet to be. Yeah,
0: I, and I think that um, is yes no i agree with somerset with that it's uh i think he's just you know kind of busting his balls a little bit which mills kind of calls him on in this car ride you know somerset wanted him out of there basically because he was sick of hearing him run his mouth while he was trying to you know look i think through i things. think everyone will yeah even the dead body would
1: come back up and tell him to <laughs>
0: Possibly, possibly. Yeah. But uh I don't know. The medical examiners seemed, you know, cordial enough with them. They introduced themselves. He was like, giant, I had this but... type of
1: people in my life. I can handle it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, so Mills, you know, calls him on it and you know, essentially it's a point taken from uh, Somerset. Um and cut to the morgue, uh where they're hosing down the body. And this is uh, where this
1: actor who plays the, the he's
0: familiar to me, and I uh, can't place I, him. I think
1: it's Ridge E. Carthy, something like this. He was in um, House of Cards, and the most I la- want the last thing I saw him was in Luke Cage. He played Luke Cage's dad in season two.
0: Okay, okay, so he was also in it, the, it. Totally uh, makes sense that he would Frank be in, in House of Cards, Luke, though, the yeah, father cause... of
1: Johnny and Sue.
0: Yeah, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Fincher's like a lot of these uh, directors that have, their stable of actors that they pull from quite often. How many times he has Holt McCarthy in this movie? (laughs) Many. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's, I I really do appreciate uh, directors that do this, that use the same cast over and over, because they enjoy working with them, they know what they can get out of them, and uh, it shows you know, they, they develop really good relationships with these people. Um, so yeah, the guy at the morgue, um, he basically explains that this guy was forced to eat himself to death and was basically kicked in the stomach and his stomach burst and he died. It's, yeah. it's horrible. It's, um, we, we get a little bit of fat shaming from, uh, from, uh, Mills here and, uh, somerset calls him on it's like please this guy was a shut-in i mean it's clear he did not get out of this home he was in a bad way um it's um yeah it's horrible but uh yeah well god what a way to go too it's oh i mean any of these people yeah, really throughout this film yeah. they, they these people die in really really horrible ways
1: except one person we'll talk about later eh, yeah, well yeah <laughs> yeah we'll get
0: there uh so enter arlie emery as their captain um god what a All right, great actor um and yeah they're they're basically uh back upstairs in the bullpen or no they're in his office uh basically uh Letting him know what they found. And um, Somerset, at the end of the day, is he considers it's like, this. Like, I don't want this type yeah, of kiss for my life. Yeah, he considers it just a little easy. bit too extreme. He figures this is just going to go on and on and on. And he wants no part of it. Um, and, and he, he just
1: said, don't give it to Mills. He's not ready yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Mills. He he's like you know you know well you're retiring so go fuck yourself and I'll take this gladly, and instead uh, the captain does the exact opposite. He reassigns Mills to you know whatever next comes up and tells Somerset he's stuck with this thing. He's got to see it through, uh, at least till the end of the week. Um, and cut to the following day. Then we're at the uh, the office building where a uh, big time defense attorney at in this city has been found dead played in his by office the great Richard no no you're, oh, you're thinking yeah, of the I mean, da that's yeah yeah uh but uh yeah he's holding a press conference downstairs uh the da played by motherfucking shaft himself yes um he, you know he it's a small role but he brings a lot to it i like it um more than he did in steel yeah yeah yeah. Um, so we have Mills kind of slipping in uh, behind the press conference, and a reporter uh, clearly can tell that he's a detective. So she chases after him, but she's kind of kept at bay and he ignores her. Uh, he makes his way upstairs and into the office, just kind of avoiding everybody. He's not trying to make eye contact with anybody. And he bursts into the office with this, you know, big amount of bravado, you know, just kind of shoving the doors open. And he looks around for a minute and he tells the couple of crime scene guys to go get a coffee so that he can just kind of sit and take it in. And he turns up the volume on the TVs that are playing in the office. So he's watching the press conference that's taking place downstairs from up there uh, on the TV. And the look on his face is like, oh shit, what have I gotten myself into with this? You can tell he's—he he he wants this. You're
1: not ready.
0: Yeah, he wants this, but you can tell he feels just a smidge overwhelmed, because uh, when he's when the press conference is essentially done, he's just standing in the middle of all this gore. You know, we we've got the overhead shot of greed written in and, blood on the carpet.
1: It's, it's for him because he got greedy. It fits like he that's oh, what he yeah. got for being greedy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's fitting, it's fitting. But yeah, you, you have these um uh scales set up with a bunch of gore sitting on one and then just blood everywhere. It's it's funny to me. You see him take his coat off and his uh um, notebook and kind of throw them in the corner, which makes sense to me trying to preserve the scene and everything, but he's not wearing the crime scene booties. He picks up the remote without a glove. That feels weird. He even sits down in the chair and spins around a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, that that's our own fault for watching, you know, uh, crime scene procedurals throughout all the years, like CSI also, um, and everything.
1: Also, I think, the, I think some of the collapses that, they take, I think, cops' fingerprints. Out, like they have them ready. So it's like, yeah, in case so that scene, they're they rolled out. Yeah, that's yeah. So this, that might be one excuse. But same time, you're right. Like he's not preserving anything. Because yeah. I know, what was it? Someone uh, um, said you saw him like when he when he was uh, investigating Gluttony. He actually was preserving like this crime scene.
0: hmm And was being careful. Yeah, there's a lot of detectives that'll uh, you know like keep their hands in their pockets you know, so that it helps to, you know, keep them from, uh, touching things, you know, is it, it cause you, sure you're, you're just kind of naturally inclined to go pick something up. Right. And you, you kind of see that a little bit as, uh, Somerset's walking around. He does keep his hands in his pockets quite often. Um, but yeah, yeah. Back to this particular scene. Yeah. Mills looks a little concerned. Um, But more
1: uh, of what he got into than the actual crime scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then back at the precinct, uh, we've got a janitor scraping away at Somerset's name on his office door. And uh, the captain comes in to uh, tell him about the greed case and just to kind of chide him a little bit about retiring, you know, just what are you going to do with yourself? Honestly, this is your life. You're amazing at it. You know, we're, we're, you're a pain in the ass to us, but also we're gonna miss you, and we're gonna miss having you do the work that you do. What are you doing with yourself, right? And you need a, a cop like to sit
1: because most like, like you mentioned, the cops in the prison, uh, they don't give care about what's happening. It's like they're, they're not great cop like he is. Like, hey, we need at least the one cop who can at least you know give us some good points because knowing yeah. how the police are in the US and how corrupt they are,
0: it makes sense. <laughs> <sighs> ah. Yeah. Not all of them, thank God, but yes, yeah, there is a good amount, sure. Um, absolutely. Especially
1: um, where the were, this we the tone of the movie, this fits exactly what I think what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, 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 you got that right. Um it, you got that great little comedic bit of Somerset telling the janitor to uh you know stop what he's doing because the scraping at the door is just irritating. Um and they have this conversation about a killing that um or well i don't know if the guy actually died but there was a guy attacked like a block away from the precinct he was mugged and not only was he mugged but when he was on the ground the the attacker for whatever reason decided to take out the guy's eyes just because he could and you know just how horrible this is and he just he can't deal with this any longer and You know they they wrap up their conversation and the captain's like oh by the way um you know the morgue just sent this up uh we've got these little plastic pieces that we found in uh the the gluttony um uh, victim's stomach and, and that's, uh still, we
1: haven't found his gluttony but he got suspicious when he told him about goodies and who died
2: yeah that
0: made him get suspicious yep yep um so he starts thinking about things, and yeah, these little plastic strips—that's interesting. Um, and SummerSt. He, he, yeah, yeah, he goes to yeah. At this point, he goes to back to the the crime scene there, and he's just kind of looking around. And the fridge kicks on—you know, the compressor and that draws his attention so he just opens the door to take a look inside and with the light from the fridge spilling out he notices this uh, odd little pattern on the floor the linoleum yeah. um these strips and he thinks uh-oh he opens up the little evidence jar and he pulls out a couple of the plastic strips and of course they fit perfectly into these grooves um and so he pulls the fridge forward and that's where he finds gluttony smeared on the wall in, uh, we come to find out in Greece and a little note with a quote from Milton from paradise loss, uh, written back there and uh, i love the little uh, quick cut of him ripping the note off of the nail switching right back to the precinct where he is uh, delivering his findings and uh, to the captain and uh, mills is sitting at his desk not really part of the conversation necessarily but obviously intrigued um the little comedic bit here of uh the captain answering the phone <laughs> that won't stop ringing. He's like, this is not even my desk and just immediately hangs. That up. made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always liked that little bit. Um God arlie Emery is such a great actor, mostly a character Was actor sacrifice that's that fucked. That it wouldn't shock me, but knowing you know, Fincher is one of those that takes many, many takes. Right? He's kind of known for this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't Especially know. Especially now with
1: digital, you know, gamers now, right? He, he doesn't yeah, do film now. Yeah, you
0: don't have to worry about wasting film necessarily. Just memory cards and hard drives. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious how much he lets his cast improvise because of how notorious he is for, uh, you know, the multiple takes. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, this is where Somerset, you know, brings up that he's convinced that these cases are actually related. Um, yeah. You know, he he holds up the photo of gluttony smeared in Greece. He walks over, grabs the photo from Mill's desk of uh, greed smeared on the carpet in blood. And then he brings up, hey, there's seven deadly sins. And, he, you know, we've started with uh, gluttony and with greed. But ultimately, um, you know, he, he runs down the others others there. And they lost, ye- lost
1: pride, wrath, and envy. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you got... Five more victims. Yeah, yep, that's them. exactly
0: what he tells him. You can expect five more of these, he says. And then he just kind of walks off. He's like, I can't do this. And uh, the captain calls after him, trying to get him back. And he's like, hey, he wanted it. Let him have it, gesturing towards Mills. And Mills is like, I'm all over this. Yes, please give it to me. Um, but we know that he doesn't, especially after his reaction. It's like, oh, God, another one. <laughs>
1: And right. then he was like, oh, that means I have to get now five more victims. Now.
0: Yep. Cut to later that night. And uh, Somerset's at home. Um, I, I think we're introduced to the shot with him throwing his switchblade into his dartboard, which is just cool as I hell.
1: Think, that's, I think later. Was it like later? No, you,
0: I think you get one hit of it. and um, And then he's just kind of stepping around his apartment. And then he like... Grabs his coat and heads downstairs and gets a taxi as he's pulling away and the driver asks him where he's headed. He makes that comment as he's looking at, you know, some cops dealing with like somebody ODing on the sidewalk. He says anywhere but here. Um, But actually he's going downtown to the library. Where um, the only
1: quiet place in the city, yeah,
0: probably actually, where he knows the security guards and they let him in because clearly it's late at night and it's after hours and they're all just playing poker. Um, but he's knowing
1: him, I think he's, I think, a regular. I mean, he's knowing how knowledge he he is, so I think he knows about the library.
0: Yeah, I I love his interaction with them, and they put on some uh, what is it? air on a G string or something like that. I, 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 the
1: play, I think I think an op, something like,
0: yeah, yeah, classic. yeah, I'm butchering it. It's, um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool scene. I love that the scene is cutting back and forth. You got the two planes of action of no, action of, uh, Somerset doing his research through all the, um, bits of classical literature uh that uh talk about the seven deadly sins, you know, like you've got uh Paradise Lost from Milton, you've got Chaucer with Canterbury Tales and all these others. And he's, you know, doing his research. He's copying it's actually Dante like Inferno. Yeah, Dante's Inferno. Um and you've got Mills back in his apartment pouring over the photographs from the crime scenes, trying to make heads or tails of it and all the back and forth is kind of cool. And um his watch is looking at him. It's like, I think she yeah. knows, like, you, you can't handle this. Yeah. And she probably knows better than to go hang out with him while he is working on stuff like this because of, you know, all the horrific shit that she's likely going to see. But also, yeah. he probably doesn't. Yeah, you know, he doesn't
1: want her to come. Kind of i sure, at her. Yeah,
0: I'm sure he doesn't want her around while he's dealing with this stuff either. She's keeping her distance, but you can see the concern on her face. Um, and Somerset makes a reading list for Mills and uh, mm-hmm. drops it off at his desk at the precinct. And uh, cuts to the next day. Mills running through the rain into his car, and um, he uh, he's having a hard time reading through. Uh, I think he's trying to read, uh, Paradise Lost there and he lets out some really horrible homophobic shit about, um, the author and we get a knock at the window and yep, we've got, uh, yeah, this other cop, uh, coming to his rescue by every poor student savior cliff's notes. Yes. Um, Yeah, anybody who's not the best English student in the world, there you go, or English literature student, rather, or American literature, or really literature in general. Um, Yeah, there's Cliff's Notes for that. They'll help you get through if you're having a hard time understanding uh, a particular piece. But you want to make very, very sure that you're not outright copying that stuff because most English teachers, they know. They know. (laughs) But. um,
1: Especially now, there are tools that they they can scan doc files and see.
0: You know it. But even back in the day, they knew. They knew. They knew. I mean, do
1: you you see the person, the way he, he talks and speaks? And then you see the. The language was like, oh, yeah, he could. He, he, he didn't draw this.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. So um, next up, we've got the scene with uh, Mills moving into um, Somerset's old office. And Somerset, of course, is still in there because he's working out his week. Yeah. But I love how this shot is framed. So basically, the whole of the office takes up the entire uh, frame uh, of film. It's perfect. We get some great Fincher shots in here of, again, the camera following the person's body as they move, uh, you know, in, out, back, forth. It's um, it's great. It's great. It's, it's not as prevalent as in uh, his future films, but you can see him developing this style in this film, and it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The phone rings, and oh, also before we even get to the phone ringing, we see Mills kind of slipping his stack of Cliff's notes into the desk drawer uh, yeah. in the knee well. He oh, show- yeah, he doesn't want Somerset to know that he wants he's- to show
1: off. He's like, yeah. Think, yeah, I'm pretty sure he knows Somerset knows everything. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm, I'm what sure. What if like if you wrote this Cliff notes for him?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure that uh, Somerset has eyes in the back of his head. He knows but uh yeah the phone rings and it turns out that uh uh well it's mill's wife (laughs) she wants to speak with somerset it's it's like what (laughs) this is a great bit of levity in this film right here this uh this whole office scene where yeah she wants to talk to somerset he passes the phone over and you know they have a quick little conversation and then he uh hands him back the phone and uh tracy's already hung up it's it's great it's and you know she's just kind of fucking with her husband there just a little bit it's (laughs) it's fun it's fun uh it's like what she tells you it's like she i'm invited for dinner right 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 and mills is like how's this what it's this is all just going over his head at this moment um and yeah, uh cut right to them uh, arriving at uh, Mills' apartment there after work. Uh she answers the door and uh she introduces them to each other with their first names because she's so used to her husband using last names like like you would um in uh, this type of uh work. Yeah, you know, and they of course call each other by their last names. Um but, yes, it's William Somerset and David Mills. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, all right, ha, 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 you got me. And he, he walks off to go check on the kids, uh, who are actually their great big dogs that they've got in this uh, little. Uh, he,
1: cares. he cares more about them than his wife.
0: Well, I don't know about that necessarily, but he's going to have a good time uh, rolling around with the dogs on their newspapers. It's uh, that looks messy. Um, but you, you, while he's doing this, you've got um, Somerset and Tracy getting to know each other and their conversation, their back and forth is great. I love mm-hmm. it. Um, and she's yeah. just, you can tell she's not used to, having a conversation with another adult. It's been a while because, you yeah. know, she catches herself like not being horribly polite. Uh there's the comment about and how like I guess he, it's he's supposed to be like a nice guy. Like
1: and he unlike the other people, I think maybe she knows like the cops maybe maybe David hangs up but maybe are not as friendly as him. Yeah, that maybe could
2: be yeah,
0: it's it's very clear that he has uh you know what they call home training because he compliments her on uh, what she's cooking and she's like oh yeah I know and then she catches herself and she thanks him because you know she again she's just not used to you know this kind of it's very to see polite people
1: also these days yeah. even oh god
0: yeah yeah I deal with that at work all the time let me tell you uh but uh, yeah um. So they, they, they talk while Mills rolls around on the ground with the dogs and, uh, you know, they got some jazz playing in the background. It's fun. Um, and, uh, she offers him a drink and uh, he's like, no, I'll wait for dinner. And, um, as they talk, she he's taking off uh, his blazer as well, and she notices his gun in the holster, and she kind of freezes a little bit. And you know, he's like, "No, I won't wear it to the table. Don't worry." And she makes a comment about how she just, you know, she doesn't like guns. She's, uh, you know, not used to it even after all these years. And he makes the comment back that neither is he. And this will come back later in the film as well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, cut to them. You know, kind of at the you know they're kind of done eating. Uh, the the funny thing is, um, my folks had these dishes. They, a lot of people had these specific dishes. This pattern with the apples and uh, uh, the leaves and stuff on them. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because I, I I think they still actually have those dishes. Um, I'll, I'll have to remind. I wonder them how of much they worth are. Our- Well, not, not very much. They were a pretty common pattern, but, uh, but that said, yeah, it's just funny to me, um, because they were prevalent in the eighties and the nineties. Um, but yeah, they're, they're kind of having their conversation about, um, you know, why he's leaving. And then he transitions that to how is Tracy liking the city? And it's clear she's not happy, but she's trying to put up a brave face in front of her husband. And um, this is where the entire apartment starts to vibrate, (laughs) because the subway is going by. And uh it, <laughs> mills starts cursing like crazy about the realtor uh how yeah, yeah it was funny uh, we liked him instantly we thought he was very efficient he brought us by but only in like oh, are yeah I... oh yeah in like five <laughs> minute uh intervals and now we know why because it's located right next to a subway line and somerset you know it makes that crack about you know a soothing relaxing vibrating apartment and they all keep a straight face for the just tiniest minute until uh no reference at all it's just funny to him and Uh, and ultimately uh somerset kind of cracks and they 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 kind of fall out a little bit and uh uh, they're all rolling at this line and then, uh, Mills at the end of the day, it's like, yes, it's funny, but also, you know, it's not fucking funny. They have to live with this, this rattling all the time. And, uh, uh can you imagine trying to sleep? Oh God, yeah. it's, it's horrible, but I saw um, my
1: cousin, Finn. I know how it is yeah. <laughs> to make the mess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty rough. Um, so yeah, uh let's see here from here. Uh, to be
1: fair, they're more noisier places than a train.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. You could be uh located next to a fighter base or uh, you know, yeah. uh or an airport or something like that. Yeah. Uh you'd have the same exact problems, but mm-hmm. possibly worse. Um and yes, uh we cut from here to um uh, mills and Somerset. Uh, continuing to have a couple of drinks and uh, look over the evidence and kind of figure things out. I love I the th-
1: part where he was like, can you give me, well, Ashley give some wine in yeah. a beer glass? He was like, what did
0: he give me? Well, it, it's established earlier that uh, Mills is a beer drinker, but Tracy and Somerset are having uh, wine with dinner. And when uh, Mills offers him a beer as he's getting up, because he's going to get another one, uh, Somerset's yeah. like, wine, you know, if, if you have some still. And you see in the background as they're talking about, um, you know, the the two prior uh, murders, um, you see Mills opening another bottle and... F- filling this water glass, essentially just filled to the brim with wine. It's, he's clearly not somebody who's familiar with it because of course, you know, wine has a higher alcohol content than beer. And that's why you typically have smaller glasses of it. Um, and it, you know, um, Somerset doesn't even really notice because when he's handed the glass because he's so engrossed in what they're looking yeah. at at this point they're, they're um, he's like,
1: this is more engrossing than the crime scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not till a little bit later that he finally looks at the glass and he has kind of a funny reaction to it, but, um, yeah, they're trying to look at things in a new angle. Now that they have this yeah. idea, this theory that the killer is, you know, possibly preaching with the seven deadly sins. Let's take another look at all the evidence, and yeah, um, they they get to the point where it's like, I, I don't know, it's it, it's late. He's got to walk the dogs still, but then they notice something. They notice the photo of, of the, the lawyer's wife, wife how her mm. eyes are rimmed in blood and her photo was turned around staring at something not as you would normally keep a photo on, like that on your desk, looking back yeah. at the seat. Um, so they figure maybe she saw something, maybe the killer is trying to say that she knows something or has seen something. Mm. So she's in witness protection um and they go to uh talk to her it it seems really late at night to be doing something like this and yeah, but ultimately um they wow do they ever work her up and rightly so she's been through the ringer of course with all this and she's just breaking down sobbing and And they felt covering that dead body on the i know they've got post-it notes on the photos over her husband's body and you can still kind of see him through them it's it's not good i mean it's Um, not
1: just even that you can see the greed the blood everything yeah there's all the
0: gore everywhere it's it's not wonderful but um and the i think mills is feeling a bit bad about how he's handled this conversation with her. um, As he and Somerset are kind of talking off to the side. But then all of a sudden, she does notice something. There's a photograph of a painting on the wall. And she realizes that this it's kind of an abstract painting. So only somebody familiar with it would know this. But she realizes that it's upside down. So they go back to the office then that night. There's this great exterior shot of the building with uh, the light in the office flipping on. I I love it. It looks cool as hell. Um, And yeah, they, they pull the painting off the wall and they realize that um, whoever did this actually moved the fasteners with the wire so that, um, you know, they could hang it upside down and everything would look normal. Uh, This is where, Somerset pops out his switchblade and uh Mills is like, like, What the fuck is that? (laughs) It's because they're not exactly super legal. And he's kind of shocked that um uh that uh Somerset would even have something like this. Uh but he he takes the backing off the painting and they don't find anything inside. Uh they flip it down Mm -hmm. on the ground and he's kind of looking over it. And Mills makes that crack about, well, he didn't paint the fucking thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, Mills just kind of, he's kind of pacing back and forth. He's upset about the situation. He makes that crack about, Hey, look, this is us. This guy's fucking with us. He's fucking us right now. And, um, Somerset meanwhile is just transfixed by what could be behind the painting. Cause there's gotta be some reason, right? and he brings out a little um, you know, a bit of powder and he uh, brushes on uh, the wall there and he starts to find fingerprints. Yeah. We, we don't exactly see what the fingerprints are, but he's like, call the print lab. And yeah. that great kind of quick cut to uh, the perspective of the wall being you know kind of brushed and uh you know with the compressed air to blow away the uh exterior power uh or extra powder uh from the uh the friends forensic guy um it's such a cool looking shot yeah this is where the camera pulls back out and we've got help me written in prints on the wall yeah and you get that shot from the trailer probably I seem to remember it from the trailer back in the day of um, of Mill saying to Somerset, "Honestly, have you ever seen anything like this?" And just Somerset, very, very quietly saying, "No." Um, and knowing
1: that what type of city he lives in, you that's not mind what what city, so that that's not least worse than this.
0: Uh, and I'm sure he's seen plenty of death, but you know nothing like you know, these tableaus that this killer is staging. I mean, this is, you know, Hannibal Lecter level shit. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, Cut to back the precinct where they're running the prints and uh, the, the technician, you know, tells them to take their pondering elsewhere because, you know, he's annoyed by their back and forth and it often takes days for them to get a hit. Uh, in this database yeah. um i don't and, know how
1: it is right now but it does not take just one second it takes days for fingerprints and DNA to
0: have to come out oh yeah 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 you've got all these federal databases and there's just i mean there's so many that's got to be sorted through that it's yeah. it's not exactly going to be instant um as you often see in some crime shows um but uh you know cut to them in the hallway on this couch um that evening you know kind of talking about the situation yeah you, know, you tells tell some like
1: did you promise what you said up to the wife about the crime you're gonna catch right. you the bad
0: guy yeah and he means it he means it he he plans to do it but you know at it the end like of the something day a mistake that like, cops most make is like don't say this yeah and then that's no, kind of where somerset true. is you know you know, getting at with this conversation, you know, how, at the end of the day, we often are just, you know, kind of cataloging this stuff and seeing something through. It's it's very rare that we're actually, you know, catching somebody before something else happens. But um, uh, yeah, um, uh, Mills kind of balls up his jacket under his head as a pillow, because they realize it's going to be a long night. And cut to the next day and their captain is waking them up because they've got a match. Yeah. And uh, I, I love how also throughout the night Mills has kind of shifted and he's like smashed up against Somerset's shoulder and he kind of pulls away in disgust again. Again, his character, you know, with he's his little, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's kind of. Part he does of it character. later also in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, pizza place. But uh, yeah, so uh, we've got the captain giving his spiel about who they found. It's this uh, guy who had been arrested in the past for, uh, you know, diddling little kids and how ultimately uh, his rich family helped get him off with the help of his lawyer, who was Eli Gould, the the greed victim. Yep. Uh, so they figure it's all connected. This is their guy. Uh, well, and,
1: that, I think at a time he's supposed to be the, the lawyer on Robert Shapiro, I think if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. It wouldn't shock me if that's who they were basing this on, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. Defense attorneys do not have a wonderful reputation with the police. It's, uh, you know, they're, and we see that later with the other attorney, uh, ultimately, you know, they're seen as people that get paid highly to, you know, get people off. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're assembling a SWAT team again, uh, led by John C. McGinley. Um, you know, this is before his turn on Scrubs, uh, very different Was character.
1: before or after on Didley Grounds?
0: Um, that I can't recall. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, as, as much as so I like a go. lot of the earlier Steven Seagal films there was a point where I just kind of gave up on his shit and then definitely a point where I gave up on him but um Wait, when he did that uh, reggae music song oh Jesus um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you
1: know what I told you people the listeners and the viewers he yeah. did the reggae music and it's exactly what you think it is <laughs>
0: Yep, and now he's all about his good friend Vladimir Putin. Um, yeah. So yep, yep, and en- enough of Seagal. Um. So yeah, I, I like uh, John C. McGinley in this uh, in this role. Um he, yeah. he's, he's good. He was
1: also in Highlander. I forgot he was also in the second one. Remember? Was he? I. God, yeah, he I was. I think I the remember. corporate guy who actually you know befriends um. What's his oh. name uh, from uh, from Scanners? Michael Ironside.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That seems very familiar now. Okay. Okay. God. I I need to look up what else he's been in. But, um, yeah. Uh, Mills and Somerset, they ride along. Um, he was in point break. Yes. Yep. He was definitely in point break as well. Um,
1: done a lot of action before he became a comedy guy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's funny. Um, but, um, yeah, they ride along uh, behind uh, the, you know, different SWAT vehicles here. Uh, and in the car, they've got this great conversation about, you know, have you ever taken a bullet? Have you ever drawn yeah. your weapon? Have you ever fired your weapon? And um, it, Mills has this uh, story about, you know, him you know being part of one of these you know, kind of, uh, like hostage rescue type teams and, um, uh, or armed response teams or whatever you want to call them or SWAT or whatever and how, yeah, they burst through a door and, uh, you know, the buddy to the side of him got hit in the arm and how, or you know, he got hit essentially and how he like basically saw him spinning around in slow motion and how he rode with the guy in the ambulance and how he died right in front of him and you know he can remember all of these things but he can't remember the guy's name and it's just it's driving him nuts it's and you can see somerset from the back seat you know he's listening intently he's clearly interested it's it but just the expression on his face of you know, yeah, you are somebody who's trying to, you know, you, you mean well, and I get that, but also you you may need to at some point stop meaning. Well, um, it's, I don't know. There's a lot of emotion on his face. Um, and then we've got everybody pulling up to this building It's, um, you know, for a a group that's trying to, you know, storm somebody's apartment and take him. They're very loud, aren't they? (laughs) Don't they have sirens going and everything? Um, Or at least just the screeching tires of all these vehicles piling or uh, pulling up there. It's just funny to me. But um, a great scenes of um you know i'm not great about narrating action here but ultimately great scenes of them entering the building and uh storming up through the stairs yeah until they see the the bid yep the score is great uh in this as well it's just you know just kind of pounding um and they breach the apartment and oh you will never look at those little pine tree car air fresheners the same way again after you see these scenes because you've got rooms filled with these things to help with the smell uh they 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 see a figure in a bed uh that's kind of you know framed in the open doorway and covered by a sheet and uh you know swat you know, they call out to them to put their hands up and nothing happens. And they, you know, slowly approach and they pull back the sheet and there is the most emaciated, disgusting body that they think is dead. Um, yeah, it's a callback to the
1: first crime if you remember he's like did you check to see if the vital did, didn't check the body
0: right right again they just yeah. expect <laughs> that this thing that they found is dead and yeah, very much thing is an apt descriptor right because yeah. you've got all these sores and it's just horribly emaciated and, and his discolored. arm is out of which
1: explains why his prints were in the office
0: yeah, yeah he's only got the one hand and uh, yeah and the uh, SWAT leader yeah calls for the detectives to get in there. Uh, again, something from the trailer of, uh, you know, you want to take a look at this and, and they come in. And, well, that's Victor. And he is in some really yeah, rough
1: shape.
0: Yes, we also have sloths smeared on the wall above the bed. Um And yeah, they've got a box filled with all sorts of stool samples and urine and fingernails and hair. And say again, how does he
1: represent sloth? Because I don't understand the other victims. How does he represent sloth?
0: I think insofar as um, they spent, well, the killer spent a year killing him. Because there are photos that uh, date all the way back to one year ago, that yeah. very day. And they show a horrible yeah. time lapse of what has been done to this guy. It's uh, pretty rough. Uh, and then so we've got... Basically,
1: he slowly was killing him. That's, that's Yeah. And more like, yeah. You know, like punishing him because he's more like punishing the people than killing them.
0: Something like that, Yeah. And we cut to the the SWAT leader leaning over the guy's face and whispering that he got what he deserved. And because, again, this dude was a pedophile uh, and a drug dealer. And mm-hmm. this is where... The guy just bursts awake in the most horrifying manner. It is one hell of a good jump scare.
1: He didn't tell them, Finch, I think, didn't tell the actor that he was going to do this. It's
0: like, oh, "Oh, this is just the
1: the fake body. They all thought it was the actual fake body.
0: So similar to Alien with the chest burster, right? They didn't know what they were going to experience. Oh, that's cool. That's cool because <laughs> yeah, they all fall backwards and, you know, just knock shit over backing away. No, so I
1: love the fact that if you notice that everyone is like, they were trying to do by killing their gun, they come them, and, and Somerset's like, stop calling ambulance.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they, they scream for an ambulance and, uh, yeah. Cut to Mills and Somerset in a stairwell of the building talking about what they've just found and yeah, this is where
2: um, we have the run in
0: with this photojournalist who snaps yeah. their picture. And Mills, uh, this is after um, they have this conversation about, you know, and Mills talks about how he feeds off of his emotions and how he needs that. And um, kind of similar to Pacino and Heat, he uh, makes a comment very, very similar about that kind of thing and so mills uh gets into it with the photographer he like smacks the camera out of his hands and tells him to fuck off and uh and uh they they they, you know have their little back and forth and he turns around to somerset staring at him and he's like what and he's like nothing it's just impressive to see somebody feeding off of their emotions he says um and Mills is like, ah, oh, come on. This and, and he's just upset about the guy. And why is he even here? How did he get in here? How did he get here so fast? And uh, Somerset makes a comment about how, yeah, these people pay cops for this kind of information. And they pay very well to be able to get here that fast and get the type of uh, photograph and everything. Um, oh, just one more commentary on, you know, why he wants to get out of there and how corrupt everything yeah. is. Um, we, we already said from the beginning.
1: Remember when he's like, he asked for how with the kids, and things like, who cares? Like, the children, like, they didn't
0: care about the kids. Yep. Yep, we uh, cut from here to um, the hospital. <clears throat> pardon me. Where Fuck the doctor is uh, kind of telling them about, you know, the state of this guy. How yeah, he's basically just functionally alive, and they're yeah. they're never going to get anything out of him. Um, yeah. and uh, you he know, maybe, like yeah, you could shine old a old flashlight in to... his eyes, and it would probably kill him. At this point, yeah. Um, oh,
1: now all now is left for him is to wait for hell. Even the doctors seem like it's not. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's got an opinion
0: on this guy because you know, again, drug dealer, pederast. Um, yeah. But. uh, Yeah. Um, we cut to, um, that evening, Somerset, he's at home and he gets a phone call from Tracy of all people. And while, while Mills is in the shower, she's calling him, uh, because she needs somebody to talk to about something. And, you know, basically could they meet and, um, she has to get off the phone then quickly. And then the next morning it's Friday. And, um, if we haven't, already brought this up uh this film takes place in about a week the the first day is a sunday but the uh actual story with mills and somerset starts on a monday and uh here we are it's friday now and uh they're at this diner uh talking the whole movie is set in seven days yep it's uh all kind of perfect like that right um it's th- this movie is tied up in a neat little bow. Let's be yeah. fair. It's very well written. Yeah. Um But seeing this diner scene again this morning as I was uh, finishing up my notes, all I could think of is I could just kill for a good diner breakfast like that. Because yeah. um, they're usually fantastic, a greasy spoon like that. We'll cut yeah. to a disgusting pizza place later in the film, but, um, but this one, uh, I'm sure has some good breakfast food and Somerset. He's very curious why he's been invited there. And it takes her a while to spit out why she kind of fumbles around the idea that she was a teacher and she's had trouble finding work and how she, she can't stand the schools that are there. And he offers the idea of public schools mm-hmm. and then, yeah she Even finally
1: if schools were that location as a magic school in this city
0: uh, yeah no. the the public schools would not be good um yeah. and then she blurts out uh that well, they're pregnant, and yes. she is having a very hard time with that, given where they're living um and it, it, this scene is so well acted between these two. Yeah. I, oh, wow. He he tells the story then about how he had a girlfriend quite a long time ago. I'm assuming like 20, 30 years prior, something like that. He was probably young, just starting on the force or something like that. And how, you know, they got pregnant and, you know, it, he just couldn't fathom the idea of bringing a child into that world either. And how he kind of whittled his girlfriend down to eventually having an abortion and... Yeah how he knows that was the right decision for them. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, he says like, there's not a day that goes by where I don't in some way regret it in some way, second guess what we did. And I mean, no answer would have been a good answer for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells her, you know, if you don't decide to keep this baby, you cannot tell Mills, you cannot let him know. Because it's going to break him. But if you do decide to have the kid, then you just got to smother this kid with love. You got to do everything you possibly can to show this child that they are loved in a world like this. And you know she she's crying through this, and it's 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 a do you very think it, emotional thing. Because he was at her, he was like maybe
1: she might be one of the positive things in this city.
0: Yeah. I, I think maybe to a certain degree. Like, you know what?
1: I didn't have the chance to be there. Maybe he, he was saying like maybe that's his second chance. Maybe he's saying it, something like, you know, I I feel myself, about like maybe Mills and what Tracy maybe they can have a second chance
0: that yeah. I didn't. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of that there. It's it's just this wonderful bit of kindness from his character. Mm-hmm. I, it's so cool, and like I said, it's so well acted. It's this is Morgan Freeman in you know just his prime of his yeah. 90s roles right yeah. here it's just so good and and honestly yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow had she done much before this film this is like one of her first like well-known roles at the very least
1: she almost was in the coolest eyes but her dad stopped her it was like don't do this
0: bullshit no oh, Jesus Good for him, uh, some sage <laughs> advice right there. But um, he was
1: all right having her do shallow hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, There is that movie, isn't there?
1: I think she did. I don't know when she did, she did this before after Great Expectation. Would Great Expectations was That movie was I know later. was
0: not that good. Also, that was later. It's um, yeah, that was a very so-so adaptation of that book. Um, but, but he yeah. himself
1: in admitted, Koron was like, yeah, it's
0: not my best film. No, and he's gone on to um make up for that, I think. Uh, because he's another fantastic director, isn't he? Um, but yeah, uh, this is the moment where they're interrupted by um by uh Somerset's page. Oh, she was in the
1: Hulk, uh, in the first Hulk movie. Oh, I mean, Hulk, uh, she played Wendy, the younger okay. version of Wendy. Okay.
0: Because people who direct
1: the young ex I heard Drew Barrymore before the, the whole thing's happening. That's yeah.
0: another kind of fun story. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to get into that one. But uh yeah, yeah, yeah uh, Somerset gets a page and she stops him from running off to thank him. And it is so heartfelt. It's again, it's they have amazing chemistry as well as her and Mills. It's uh it, mm, every everyone in this film is. Firing on all cylinders, yeah. it is so well acted. Um, so yeah, we Especially go from, because he wanted to go be out from all the pretty boy, like, yeah, he everything. shines he in this TV. movie, he absolutely shines. Yes, uh, um, even
1: Fincher was like, he was kind of his. It's like, oh, should I cast this guy? And after the meeting, it's like, I'm going to
0: cast him. Yep, so back at the precinct, then where uh, they're discussing the aftermath of victor's rescue because yeah. that's what it really turned into right um yeah. where you know they're just kind of sitting around waiting for something to happen waiting for the next shoe to drop right um and that's and how it,
1: the police was, uh, could. yeah sometimes like you know was like you know sometimes you know, if you want because we we have to wait for his next cut. it's it's a and waiting. Like, this is yeah just,
0: yeah if you,
1: that's, yep. so, that's how <clears> it is even if it, you may not like it but that's how it is it's like yeah. This and that's what, what
0: Somerset tells him. This is the job. And they also yeah. have that conversation where, uh, you know, Mills calls the guy a lunatic and, uh, Somerset immediately says, Hey, it's dismissive to call this guy a lunatic. You have to understand how incredibly intelligent this person is. Mm-hmm. And to just write him off as a crazy person is to underestimate him essentially. And boy, howdy, uh, <laughs> do they do so. Hey, um, yeah, and he yeah. got his clue and it's just like hey you know what do you have money didn't you leave yeah Yeah, at this point Somerset is coming around to the idea that uh, the, their suspect uh, you know uh, has just perfectly orchestrated this thing it's yes. he isn't going to slip up they're just going to keep going on collecting evidence and discovering new crimes and it's just going to keep going that way um, but there's a comment by mills somewhere in here about, uh, the guy having a library card that makes something click in Somerset's head. And, you know, you ask them how much money they have and they're going on a field trip. Come on, grab your coat. Um, so this is where they're at that horrible looking pizza place. Uh, and they make a comment about how it's probably had 50 health code violations since its last inspection. And, um, this is where Mills makes another little homophobic comment because they're sitting on the same side of the table waiting for this guy. Um, and this sort of disheveled looking dude comes in, sits down, and makes this kind of big I don't deal. know if you
1: know who this guy is, but he was in Batman Begins. Yeah, with, and Sons of God Anarchy. He partner with the beard. Now you even see most of yeah, the beard.
0: Also Sons of Anarchy um oh, he yeah, has a great cool. role in and that too fast show viewers, he was the guy who got tortured with the rats that's right <laughs> yep yeah, he's the rat torture guy you're right um yeah he, he's another great character actor uh it's like mark boone uh something or uh, other
1: um it's something like the it was yeah
0: but, but uh, uh, you
1: yeah. also had him in memento I'm not mistaken
2: yeah i think
1: he's
0: got a brief little part of that as well you're right um but yeah he he comes into this situation all blustery and he makes the comment only for right for you do i do this and uh, he just uh hands him a big wad of cash under the table and the guy just walks out and he he takes the pizza slice as he goes and uh mills uh says after him oh help yourself and he's just mad as hell about the situation because he doesn't understand what's going on To them, they're waiting in a barber shop, uh, because the guy tells them, Give me an hour. And, um, this is where Somerset finally lays it on the line okay, this is what's going on. And by me telling you this, I am absolutely trusting you. It's fun watching their relationship evolve as this movie goes on, uh, to becoming, you know, much closer, actually becoming sort of partners, even though Somerset's going to be leaving. Um, yeah, they have a much better respect for each other as this film goes on to the yeah. point where they're very friendly at a certain point. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is where he lays I it. Think out I think I know line. what
1: scene you're talking about. Yeah. Which I think it's clicked to remember. When I saw it. Before, that's what it's meant.
0: Yep. Um, so ultimately he's like, okay, this guy, he's a friend of mine from the local FBI uh, field office. And at the end of the day, the FBI has decided to keep records of certain flagged books from libraries, you know, books like Mein Kampf and uh, books about uh, nuclear weapons and stuff like this, you know, basically books that most normal people are not going to be checking out unless you're like doing a paper on the subject or something. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you can use this database and cross reference it Uh, with certain books and sort of figure out who's been checking out a lot of these books and it Isn't something that you can use as evidence because it's fucking illegal what they're doing But it can at the very least point you in the right direction Towards somebody
1: At the same time also knowing how what the government is right now you're like you won't be surprised if this turns to be true
0: Yeah. Well, that sounds less like an FBI thing and more of an NSA thing, but that's a topic for another time. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, the NSA program echelon, um, and how that monitors communications of, um, unfortunately some American citizens, but we won't get there. Um, so this is the moment where the guy steps in, um, uh, back into the barbershop and mills is like how do you know all this and somerset's like i don't and neither do you and uh, the guy just hands him an envelope and walks away <laughs> mills, i like that he
1: said the while waits for him he um, Somerset tells the mill to go have a haircut
0: <laughs> yeah they're just kind of hanging out there in those uh <laughs> extra chairs the waiting area of the barbershop um But I I love the little bit, too, where uh, Mills just kind of leans out and waves to the guy. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they've got their info at this point. And um, yeah, this is, I think, the scene as well in the barbershop where um, we get a hard R word from uh, Mills. Again, product of its time. And uh,
1: it fits the the character
0: as well. Yep. But I'm glad it's something that a large, uh, large, large, um, you know, segment of people have moved away from, thank God, because we don't need that anymore. Um, and this is where, you know, they're going through their printouts that they've been given of these, uh, you know, different books that were on their list that have been checked out by different people. And they find, uh, uh, You know, one particular person that seems to have checked all the boxes, including um, some uh, writings by Thomas Aquinas, um, who had also written about the deadly sins. sins. Yep. And uh, they they, they read the name uh, off of the list. And of course, it's John Doe. Um, Yeah. You know, so they they're like, Okay, well, let's go check it out. So I don't know exactly what their plan was here. uh, Other than just to have Brad Pitt, uh, you know, Detective Mills be a smooth talker. You know, he, um, you know, makes the comment about, hey, you're going to use your silver tongue here as we talk to this guy, you know, because they have no evidence that links them to this address. You know, I they I, I really don't know what their plan was. This is like the only major, major plot hole to me in the film. Um, but at the end of the day, as they're standing there talking outside this door and uh they knock a couple of times, uh Somerset looks up and he sees way down the hall there's somebody who's kind of the face is in shadows, they've got a big hat on, they're carrying a bag of groceries or whatever and um he kind of nudges mills and he's like you know kind of gives him one of those nods off in the guy's direction and you see the guy pause looking at them and then he keeps walking but he's got the drop on him and he fishes out a gun and he fires on mm-hmm. them oh it's great we we've got this great chase scene that we're kicking off with this oh yeah. my god it's good um where mills and somerset kind of split up uh because mills is you know younger and a little bit more mobile and he tears off after the guy even while being shot at and uh yeah pretty taut chase as somerset tries to go around another way to try to cut them off um and ultimately yeah you know, we end up after you know they burst through a couple of apartments and through what might be a theater or something i can't remember but um you've got doe off in the distance on a ladder Limped from a in, fire in, escape like yeah, the he's thing. got something of a limp yeah and yeah. it's probably from uh you know, tripping or something as he's running away. Uh, but it's uh definitely mentioned again later. We'll we'll get to that. But uh yeah. yeah, we get him out on a ladder for a fire escape and Mills out on his own in the foreground. And you got that amazing shot from overhead with all the rain falling of uh Mills dangling off the ladder. Uh yes. it's it's so damned iconic. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. And you got uh, their suspect sliding down the ladder and like bolting across this busy street in the pouring rain, and he's stumbling and rolling and almost hit by cars. And in every shot, and his face is covered. A,
1: he injured his hand in that scene. Yeah, you said he's doing his own side. And then, because you know, a lot of people don't know the movies. They don't show them exactly like the sequence or how they are filmed. They shoot like specific sequence, a specific day, and. They had some sequence, like from the previous shot, before this, that Brad Pitt, you know, his arm was not injured. So they ended up you notice that his hand was, like, in his, in his pocket in some shot, and they're hiding also his hand. Yeah. So they ended up
0: also writing his injury in the film. Perfect. It works, because he, as he's sliding down on this ladder it hits the end and that jostles him off and he falls through an awning into a pile of garbage on the sidewalk yeah. and he gets up and he's climbing over cars and he's chasing after this guy and he chases him into an alleyway. And, um, there's a garbage truck around the corner. That's kind of filling up the bulk of the alley. And he's you know, clearing his way around it and looks up just in time to get his face whacked in with a tire iron And again, in addition to the iconic shot of him hanging off of the fire escape with the rain falling, we get that awesome close up of the gun in his face with the rain slowly trickling down. And also the shot from, you know, kind of his perspective, looking up at uh, John Doe with, you know, the gun, you know, angled towards his head. And up into his face with the rain falling but of course it's all in shadow the way it's framed so you can't see who it is um (laughs) but then uh somerset comes barreling around the corner calling out for him and uh the killer just darts away
1: he tells Uh, him to go if not mistaken no
0: he says no he said no yeah, uh, uh, I didn't hear it well. But I yeah, he Detective no. Mills is saying no kind of slowly, as in, you know, he's not ready for this. He's not ready to die. Um, But uh, yeah, the Was killer. Not
1: he knew it like he, that's not something he can do.
0: Yeah, and the killer is definitely not ready to kill them as well because he wants everything to play out the way he wants to play it out. Um, So, yeah, uh, Somerset arrives. He helps him up. He fishes his gun out of a puddle and cut to inside the the apartment building where mills is all amped up and he's all bloodied he hasn't had his wounds and he tells attended them we don't have a
1: like, clear evidence it's like and it's like how not could you that came they in
0: really he... have clear evidence to question the guy anyways <laughs> they had absolutely no reason to they would have had to make that up and Mills is pretty amped up, right? He's um, he wants to kick this door in and he's like, no, no, wait, we've got probable cause. And he's like, no, we don't because we can't use anything that we got that led us here as evidence. And, you know, eventually Mills is like, okay, you're right. You're right. He backs away. And as soon as Somerset steps past him, he hauls off and kicks the door in again, trailer shot uh, right here. And the the funny line of, you know, something along the lines of, well, I guess that takes that off the table or something like that, and, you know, unless you can fix this. And, uh, it's like, you stupid son of a bitch, because he has then no he idea. Me yep he has no idea how they're gonna fix this or how they're gonna be able to and then,
1: Fred, and then miles was like do you have any more listen he bribes like a yeah witness.
0: yeah there's uh yeah basically they uh they pay a, a homeless person to give a false statement and, and and unfortunately mills has to kind of coach this lady through uh everything that she's saying there and that would in no way be admissible because of uh you know him having to speak throughout all that and you can tell the look on the the officer's face as the he's cop taking is the. a corrupt officer. Yeah, you can tell. Was one he of all... the
1: crime scenes? Also, if not mistaken.
0: Um, I don't know about him, but the guy from the beginning of the but film feel, you know, is there the know, later uh at the uh, the precinct. Um, but uh yeah, I feel um, like he
1: knew exactly which one of them is a the corrupt cop, cop or not. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have him come do it.
0: Yeah, you, you, the guy obviously knows what's happening, but he's taking the statement, they get a signature, they pay the person. So they're able to, you know, enter the apartment then. And uh, yeah, we get uh, the police investigating this uh, this place, which uh, kind of looks like uh, this dude's been living in a Ma- Mark romantic Nine Inch Nails video or something. Um, and they find... Um, Note basically books, a large amount of money there. There's notebooks filling shelves throughout the entire place, all hand. You find
1: that, well, that, uh, the book, like, you know, what's it uh, what called it? it? They had the spaghetti and then he, he had, well, yeah, like
0: the... he had these individual shrines to the first yeah. three victims and then a fourth one of something that hadn't quite played out yet. So, yeah, you had the cans of spaghetti in the first one. The second one, you had some bloody law books from uh, Gould's office. And the third one, you had a jar with Victor's Victor's severed hand. hand, uh, And you even have um, Somerset's reaction of Victor as he's looking at it. And then uh, Somerset comes to the fourth one. There's a photo of a woman. uh, And her seat's. And a receipt to a leather shop, yep. Um, yes. And, you know, it, it's kind of clear from the photo that they've styled her sort of like a prostitute or something, because, well, that's what she is. I think someone
1: even says, so I think, when you said first,
0: like, yeah, she looks like a Yeah, she looks like a pro, like a pro uh, they say. Yep, she's a sex worker. And I think I read,
1: that's the actual place like the prostitutes, that's actually, you know, um, well, I think, I don't know, if she's, she's a crew, I think, from the movies, like, they need someone, it's like, I think the casting told us she looks. I think this crew member looks like a you know. Can, well, you really only see her in
0: a photo, and you see like maybe a limb or two yeah. later, but um, that's about it. Um, but yeah, they find all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> bless you. Uh, we've got oh, thank you. photographs everywhere in a makeshift dark room. Um, yeah. You've got you know, like I said, uh, uh, there's like a cigar box just filled with cash, and. Um,
1: you know it, and he finds out that uh, that john was also the photographer whom he yep, attacked.
0: because there's the photo from lower down on the stairwell of victor's apartment building and you know mills uh, calls out to somerset uh to come into the room and they and he's like we had him who we had him the photographer on the stairs we had him and we let him get away and, you know, the look on Somerset's face is like, oh, shit. Um, and I think this is about the time that the phone starts ringing. Yeah. And they they have a hard time finding it. But eventually, it is John Doe calling them to... Uh,
1: answer and Somerset
0: records it. Yep. And uh, Mills speaks with him briefly. Doe uh, kind of speaks of his admiration for Mills. He even... Comments because he's not exactly sure which one of them he's speaking to, but he's like, um, I apologize that I had to hurt one of you, he says. Yeah. Um, and he's like, he'd like he'd love to tell him more, but he doesn't want to ruin the surprise. And then he hangs up. Um And then you've got the, you know, crew of forensics people standing in the doorways, staring and listening while this is going on. And Somerset, you know, checks his recording uh, and, you know, nods to Mills that they've got something. And then he stands up and tells everybody to get back to work. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, God. yeah. Uh, (laughs) This apartment is something else as well. Yeah. Uh, this is where they're looking at all the different photos and everything. And they make the comment about how she looks like a pro and, uh, yeah. you know, they've got that receipt and that's, uh, you know, it's later that day they're following up on the receipt. Um, They go to this shop and uh, shout out to the awesome Gravity Kills track playing in there. Um, Love them in the mid-90s. I have no idea whatever happened to them. But uh, the guy's like, yeah, I made this thing. I've got a photo of it right here. And you don't see the photo in this scene for good reason. But he hands him this Polaroid and you see Brad Pitt's face and he hands it to Somerset who... Because you know, I mean, I've done crazier stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was for, for for performance art, you know, like somebody pees in a cup and they uh, and they drink it on stage or whatever, you know, performance art. And uh, this is where their beepers start going off and. um uh, Somerset just pockets ignorant. the photo and the guy's calling out for it because, you know, this is the photo from, you know, basically what he would use for his portfolio portfolio to show off his work yeah. to prospective clients and so on. Yeah. It's, uh, but, uh, you know, what, what is he, he mutters under his breath about them being fucking pigs as they walk away yeah. and cut to this. Uh, it's, Listed in basically like the Wikipedia page and everything else as a massage parlor. But at the end of the day, it's basically a sex club. yeah, it, well, not so much a brothel, but as a place where people can go to rent a room for an hour or two and yeah. you know do their shit, take prostitutes without being you know uh, a big issue or anything. And uh, you you just barely see uh, Michael Massey in his booth as they walk by him. Um, they're yeah. led down uh, the stairs. There's this music just pulsing away. And uh, even telling, well. can't
1: you t- turn up to me? It's like we can't find the guy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're still trying to figure that out, Uh, how to turn off the music and everything. And, you know, cut to this. Yeah, there's a room, and this cop is, like, freaking the fuck out, and he's like, yeah, you need to see this. And there's a guy who's covered by, yeah, screaming his head off. He's covered by a sheet, and there's obviously something very rigid pushing against the sheet. We don't quite know what that is yet. And a body that has been butchered like crazy on this bed that thankfully again you only see a limb or two, but there is gore everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, yeah, cut to uh yeah, we're we're basically back at the precinct and you've got these dual interrogation rooms as seen from the other side of the one way glass. And I, I love the back and forth. You've got you know Somerset working with the poor guy who unfortunately was um suited up it makes it kn- have Thomas
1: I, talking to him because I feel like Melt would have you know made made him he would have made it worse. Eventually. He would
0: have made it worse for sure. Um this guy was is in clearly a very fragile state because he was forced to wear this knifed strap on and forced yeah. to have um intercourse with this prostitute at gunpoint. And you know, she was tied down and everything as well. It's, it's fucking horrific. And in the other room, you've got the guy that basically runs the massage parlor, uh, who's played by Michael. Us, Massey. Like, I see
1: a lot of people come in with, yeah, some guys bring both, suitcases
0: full of stuff, he says, but um. You know, at the end of the day, no, I don't like my job, but this is life. You know, again, just one more, you know, bit of evidence of this being just a horrible place to live. Um, and you know, cut back to the other, you know, they're going back and forth between the two interrogation rooms and, um, you know you've got uh, the, the, the poor uh, guy who was forced to do this to this woman uh just and hence, I think he was that he's cheating
1: on his family if i am mistaken um, no
0: hence, no right, that he's- they um, ultimately uh, he says Uh, that he uh, the guy John Doe asked him if he was married and then he could see that he had a gun and then he made me put this thing on and he made me do this and and he's like screaming about how the gun was down his throat Um, and he was forced to do all this because Somerset asks him who tied her down was it you or him but this guy just spirals it's It's, ooh, he's going to need years of therapy, that's for sure. I wonder um, if
1: you think maybe John Doe made him tie her up. Because we don't this, know what happened At least. this
0: point, you know, with the gun involved, it does not matter. But yes. um it's, oh, it's horrible. Um And then that, that night, uh they're grabbing a drink at a bar, discussing their expectations for how this is going to end. Um, mm. You know, it...
1: What did they and, say about empathy? Um, he say
0: about? Well, ultimately, uh, Somerset is telling Mills, hey, you got to set yourself up to understand that this guy is just going to be a guy. You know, y- the only way you're going to be satisfied with how this plays out is if that you catch this guy and he's Satan himself. And that's not going to be the case. He's just going to be another guy. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's just gonna go on and on and we're gonna keep collecting evidence and this is gonna be done and we may never get him. It's yeah and Mills is still trying to be, you know, something of um an optimist here as much as you can be in this situation. And they're just they just kind of agree to disagree. And you know, Mills makes a comment about how he's gonna go home to his wife, you know, thank you for the drink and everything, but yeah, at the end of the day, we just we got to keep going on this. We got to see this through and I need to go home to my wife right now. And um we uh we cut to Mills slipping into bed with his wife and putting his, you know, yeah. badly damaged hand uh around her um and, you know, kind of whispering his I love yous to her as they drift yeah. off. And and then Somerset back home in bed. And he's got the metronome going, but he just cannot tolerate this. He picks it up and he chucks it across like the room. he's
1: get tired of it.
0: Yep, he is yeah. not in a good way at it's this point. The,
1: how could, between the the you know the crime, the circle, and, and the city noise, et cetera, yep. everything going on. it's like he got tired of it. It's like, I yep. don't need this. Yeah,
0: and he gets up, and this is where we get him kind of playing darts with his switchblade over and over. Can you imagine being the person that lives on the other side of that wall having to hear that thunk? Um, I think but, the, uh, he was throwing it. like he, he did this, the throwing. I think
1: there was no, I think, anything like fix it he, he actually did throw the knives.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, oof, yeah. Um, yeah, he's in a bad way. Um, yeah. and now we've got the following day, and we're inside of a nine one one call center where John mm-hmm. Doe calls in his latest victim. It's something along the lines of, you know, I've gone and done it again, and mm-hmm. it, we just go right to the crime scene from here, um where this model um he is clearly face dead. Yeah, he he and he has hot yeah, he hot glues a phone in one hand and a bottle of sleeping pills in the other. Essentially, you can call for help, but, but you'll be disfigured. You'll life. have your nose been sliced off, yeah. uh, or you can take these sleeping pills and you will have been your beautiful self forever. Um, and she takes, you know, unfortunately, the coward's way out there and kills yep. herself. And they, they even make the comment here about how she's he cut off her nose to spite her face. Um, mm. and, and
1: I that's actually the actress, she's now retired. She was in Universal Soldier, too. Oh, yeah, she put, I think, Van Damme Love Interest in that film,
0: huh? Yes, it. I think she's now retired right now from acting. Interesting. Uh, we cut <laughs> from here to an exterior shot of the precinct um, as they're heading back into the office and you get them, you kind of hear snippets of their conversation as they're walking in. And, um, in the foreground, we've got a taxi cab that pulls up and somebody steps out and you just see him from behind walking towards. And I think you see a little bit of blood on the back of his shirt or something, but, um, yes there is a man following them inside through the lobby of the precinct and you hear him call out you know detectives detective detective you know just very quietly until they're heading up the stairs and he just roars with detectives and uh, they turn around and they see this bloody, bloody man. And it's kind of a commentary, again, on this city, on this police force, that nobody is noticing this man covered in blood and viscera walking into this. Police and I don't know,
1: maybe you thought this might be a victim, but people's like, and ah, he's got to come and talk to you. Ah, God, you know, I don't you know about somebody. that. But uh, it, the official just like the preacher, I'm not defending but it's just like, oh, ah, yeah, we get a lot of people and blood and bloody stuff. They're going to come and they're going to report something thing.
0: maybe Oof. that's what. but typically they would be escorted by somebody i would assume um yeah but so but yeah knowing
1: M- this person that's you're not doing
0: care yeah well mills pulls his gun on him and so do many other cops and they tell him to get on the ground and uh the the cop that comes over to cuff him he's the cop from the um from the gluttony scene that uh, mills gets into it with uh early early in the film Um, And he's, you know, he cuffs the guy and then looks at his own hands covered with still wet blood and he's like, what the fuck is this? And that's where, um, ultimately uh, John Doe says that he would like to speak with his lawyer. Um, oof. Played by Richard Chiff. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Again, great, great little character actor moment there as well. Um, so we've got um, uh, Doe with his attorney in an interrogation room, and of course they can't listen to the audio because that's privileged. But you see um, yeah. the attorney filling out, um, you know, a statement on a legal pad, and um, you know, John Doe keeps looking at the uh, the one way mirror. He knew that they're of, looking at. He them. knows that they're standing there. Of course they're standing yeah. there. Why would even like you know
1: Mill says, says I don't buy him if he come here. in. Even some says like he's right, Chief. I don't buy him. Yeah. mean, like this is the only time I agree with him.
0: Yep, yep. Um, yeah. They are on the same page. You know, like Somerset says for the first time, uh, we are in absolute agreement on this. Um so yeah, cut to um the DA's office where they're sitting down with this attorney. And, uh, yeah, he lays it out, we're going to cut a deal and, uh, you know, either, you know, Somerset and Mills escort, uh, Mr. Doe to an undisclosed location mm-hmm. where he will reveal the final two victims, uh, or, or he's going to plead insanity. insanity. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. I love how they're all, oh yeah, we'd like to see him try. Um, yeah have you been along for this ride? This dude is a nutball. Of course, he's going to be able to get away with this. Um, and Mills is very antagonistic here. And the captain's trying to keep him reined in but can't quite do it. And unfortunately, they um, accept the deal. And we we go from here to um, Oh, and if you haven't been keeping score it's envy and wrath that we're waiting on um yeah. we cut to the and um, you also
1: mentioned like the shirt like the notice there were three bloods john
0: Doe, yep. the pride victim and a third somebody m- else unknown person yep Yep. Uh, so we cut to the locker room where they're uh, shaving their chests so they can be wired, yeah. so the tape will hold. And we've got this great bit of camaraderie between the two at this point. They joke about, uh, or Mills jokes rather. Look, exactly. and you can how, see that
1: they're getting now close to each other. Like, yeah, they're friendly very to friendly
0: at this point. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and I, know, think he's,
1: he's, I think I think what's in months he's trying to tell Somerset. He's like, you no, know, he wants to tell something. It's like, what well, good Never mind. I think he wants to tell him. It's like. Yeah, I and mean, I wish the things were better. I think you think you want it, but yeah, yeah, I think, no, think he's about is. to say
0: something about his wife actually. And he just kind of stops himself and then makes the crack about, uh, hey, if I shaved a nipple off by accident here, do you think it would be covered uh, by workers' compensation? And <laughs> he's they, like, they, I'll they, pay for they you. Laugh. <laughs> Well, yeah yeah, 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 he says, um. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it would be if you were man enough to file the claim. Um, and they, and they, they they laugh. They have a good laugh about it. And he's like, "Yeah, I'll buy you a new one." Yeah. Um, and there's little comments, and well, I don't even want to discuss that until we get to the end of the film because yeah, future spoilers. Um, but um, yes, uh, we go from here to uh, they get do-
1: mic, then they get sent up yep. with the SWAT team.
0: Yep. Yep. They get all mic'd up and, uh, you know, they, uh, pile into the car with dough that has to be uncomfortable. And, um, yeah, you've got, uh, John C. McGinley in the, um, in the uh, SWAT helicopter lifting off from the roof and, uh, they pull out very quietly as the DA is holding a press conference to help distract the media so that nobody will yeah. follow them um yeah. ultimately i mean i'm sure that's the intention here because yeah. uh you know as they pull out of the garage
1: considering, like you know people they, yeah.
0: chasing, they even hinted that they're exactly. chasing the police exactly exactly and you know they pull out of the garage and there's a bunch of news vans back there but nobody follows yeah. them because of course they're paying attention to this press conference yeah. um so yeah then we go to the most uncomfortable car ride ever um can can you imagine having to ride along in this one? Um, <laughs> oof. yeah. I mean, ultimately, um, yeah, you, during this drive Mills is kind of needling dough in a way to kind of get him to, you know, give up more information or something, but also just because he's sort of antagonized by the guy. Um, Doe essentially believes that he was chosen to send a message about, you know, how ubiquitous um, and how apathetic people are towards, uh, you know, this sin, essentially, how you see a seven, you know, one of the seven deadly sins on every street corner, he says, right? Um, Nobody's doing a thing. Yeah, nobody does anything, anything, because everybody's just apathetic to it. Everybody's used to it at this point. (laughs) Nobody cares. And how he's been sent to essentially wake everybody up. Um, and, uh, Doe, he's got no remorse for, you know, any of the people that he's killed. You know, it's, um, Mills that says to him something along the lines of, um, well, you innocent. know, you kill innocent people. And this is where John Doe kind of loses it on him about how, you know, these people are not innocent. In, only in a world this Nobody shitty, he innocent, says. Actually. People yeah. Yeah. It's... Also. Exactly. Nobody's and perfect. Not at all. And um, but uh essentially uh Doe takes it a step too far because, you know. Um but he, he makes the comment about um you know, only in a world this shitty would you call these people innocent. And he goes down the list of, you know, you know, you got the guy who's so obese that you'd point him out to your friend and laugh at him and you wouldn't be able to finish your meal if you saw him while you're eating. And, Hmm. you know, the, um, the, uh, the lawyer, lawyer yeah. And they, he makes a comment about how, uh, I bet you were, um, exactly how he made money off of lying with every breath, right? Getting all of these people who are probably guilty off. And how, you know, I bet you were both secretly thanking me for offing this guy. And um, you know, the the drug dealer, you know, the drug dealing pederist, uh, and you know, the disease spreading whore, he says, and he just goes on and on about, you know, how all these people are, you know, not virtuous people at the end of the day. Um and, yeah, he wants to shock and wake society up here. Uh, he, he can tag, continues to antagonize Mills at this point, who at a certain point does finally lose it on him, and he calls him a fucking T-shirt, a movie of of the week, right? At, at a certain point, yeah. you know, in, everything will die down and nobody will care. Yeah. And, yeah, it does, like, uh, I beg to differ. You know, what I've done is going to be, you know, researched and thought about and puzzled over I mean,
1: and how Netflix is with they're, they're making all the documentary. I know. And
0: he's or he's kind of, he's kind it, of right, to a certain right. degree. He's right. Yeah. And how also Mills is going to be remembered after all of this. Yeah. Oof, yes. Keep that in mind. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, ultimately leads them to this remote location. And this is where, you know, if you, and you would not be mistaken or, um, I, I would not feel badly about you if you were mistaken to think that this was New York City that this movie takes place in. But clearly it's this amalgamation of all sorts of, you know, great, big, busy you know, unfortunately crime-ridden cities because it definitely has some L.A. aspects to it as well. It was filmed in L.A. for crying out loud. Um, but uh, this kind of deserty... was as
1: good as they filmed it. I
0: was pretty sure it was in L.A. for the most part. Um, but uh, also the, the the area that they go to, this deserty area, definitely looks like areas outside of L.A. and Southern California. Uh, and you do not get landscape like this around New York, that's for sure. But um, you've got all these high-tension towers and he directs them to them because to yeah because he knows that anybody following in a helicopter saying. or anything like that will be able to get very close you know they will be alone for this um and um uh, yeah they get there the spot helicopters got to hang back a little bit uh they get out of the car and there's this dead dog and john doe makes this crack about how he didn't do that right. it's yeah. um it's Eh, it's it's kind of hokey. I, it's I, I think I found it funnier when I was much younger. But, but it's, uh, it, it's a little cheese cheeseball. Um, you know what, if that's my only fault with this film, then that is a super minor fault. Um, but yeah, he kind of leads them off to where they need to go. And it's at this point where they notice a vehicle approaching. And, um, you know, Somerset's, Somerset's like, said, yeah, yeah, you watch him, I'll go deal with this. He hops in the car and peels off. And again, the music's just pounding like crazy. It's yeah. great. And uh, he pulls off and uh, he tells the chopper to wait for his, uh, his signal, if there's anything. And he fires in the air to uh, um, to oh, get good, the cool. guy to stop. <clears throat> you know, one thing I got to mention that i didn't bring up earlier that i love about it's so tropey and so probably overdone but i absolutely love about this film is that you've got the young cop wearing his automatic but then you've got the older seasoned cop wearing a revolver (laughs) And it's again, it's I mean, been done before. A,
1: just the type of weapon to use. People. Yeah, it's, it's and, what and what what yeah. Thought. There's
0: personal preference to a certain degree, but but also yeah, it's. So it shows a you, like trope. the generation gap between the two. Exactly. There's that. And also, you know, an older, wiser cop would understand that, you know, a revolver isn't likely to jam ever. It's a lot more reliable. Um, but ultimately a younger cop is probably going to want, you know, the extra capacity, you know, the more rounds available. Um, but I, I just I, I find that very interesting, and even though it's kind of a trope, I still love it. Um, but yeah, he he fires his pistol in the air, and he gets the driver to stop. And the guy's like, "Hey, man, I'm just here to deliver a package. I was paid five hundred dollars to deliver this box at seven o'clock to uh, Detective David Mills." And you know, it's like, oh crap. <laughs> um, he he grabs the guy's wallet. And he sends him down the road at a sprint to be uh, picked up by the and cops. He
1: to bills, the helicopter pick him up. Yeah. Yeah. He Send wants, uh, him.
0: he wants them to go, uh, or somebody at least. I'm sure there's plenty of other vehicles that are following at a discreet distance. Yeah. Um, they want, uh, you know, this guy to be picked up just so he can be questioned at the very least, but they want yeah. to get him out of there. Um, he opens the back of the van, finds this box. And you know immediately when it's mentioned that there's a box, the the SWAT commander is like, "We got a box. We need the bomb squad." It's you know they're they're freaking out because they're expecting the worst, right? And, and yeah, you know, rightly so, right? Um, so yes, yeah, Somerset. Sure he pulls out his
1: bucket knife. He starts opening yeah, the box. Yeah, switchblade. He sees the like, his blood.
0: Yeah, because he sees a little bit of a drops on one of the inner flaps, and he opens yeah. it up. And we do not see what's inside the box. Because you hear that sounds like this is a squeeze, like this, like something. Bl- it's wet. Blood. It's definitely wet. It's yep. Wet. And yeah. you, you see the reaction on his face, and he, he he's like, you know, John Doe's got the upper hand. He says, and he starts running towards Mills. And yeah. you have you have to also understand it's not like they have earpieces with some kind of a communication system. They're just being recorded. And at least the people in the, the helicopter, you know, can understand what's going on. But, um, cause I think that's being relayed to them, but, uh, you know, he's got to scream to mills to put down his gun and, you know, he's just running after him. Um, meanwhile, mills is like, what's going on? What's happening here? and this is where john
1: tells him like i got envy of your
0: life yeah yeah it's like you don't understand your wife your pretty wife tracy and mills is like the fuck you say and it's like yes earlier today i visited your home i visited your wife i wanted to taste a normal man's wife life (laughs) almost said wife that's Mm. um i'm sure he wanted that too um you know he wanted to play husband and you know see what it was like to live that normal life but it didn't work out um and so he took her pretty head (laughs) and now it's very clear what's in the box because Now, you know, Mills starts screaming the iconic, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? I um, think that he had your head stolen one of the actors for Mills. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it can it, be different you know, it ultimately uh John Doe is like, so you understand now. My sin is envy because I envied your normal life, and yours is to become wrath and take your vengeance on me and i think this is about where um somerset rolls up and shows him like give me the gun don't listen to Yep, anything. exactly and um somerset That's you she... know he's trying to get john doe to shut up because doe keeps yeah. goading um mills he yeah. wants to make this happen he needs to make this happen and, and then he... he mentions the baby yep and right after that is when uh, Somerset slaps the shit out of him. And the every, is known for slaps. Yeah, everybody <laughs> understands, oh shit, Mills didn't know. Yeah. And I think it's kind okay. of clear to Mills in this moment that Somerset actually knew. And, yeah, and that knew kind of him. feels like a bit of a betrayal and you, as and well.
1: he felt betrayed by him, it's like... I trust and we were getting also close to because especially after seeing that scene in the locker rooms like they were getting close and friendly. And he wants about to admit him it's like, Hey, I wish we were more friendly and I want maybe he wanted to apologize to him for how we were maybe. behaving. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's... And he was like you've lied to me. At least that's kinda of it. like we find out that someone you trust you're about to get close to, he betrayed you but he's like You yeah. can't believe this.
0: Yeah, it's um and and I think we're probably reading maybe just a little bit more into this than is actually there, or maybe not. I don't know. It's, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, a lot of films, they are very open (laughs) to interpretation and that's okay. It's, uh, it's there for you to decide. There is no definitive answer on this. Right. But, uh but yeah, what does he tell them? Um, become, uh, your sin become wrath. And, then you know the camera cuts back out to a wider shot and he just unloads on this guy one in the head and another five rounds in the body um you get that little puff of blood uh through the air when he shoots him in the head too um that's super effective um so yeah and then mills just kind of walks away from it with somerset staring in disbelief and you got the SWAT team like oh god he shot him and yeah cut to probably a couple hours later with a huge police presence out here and uh mills is in the back of the cruiser yeah he tells us yeah he looks complete shock right he is just dead-eyed just completely out of it and yeah yeah the captain's like don't worry we'll take care of him and somerset says something like yeah whatever he needs and the captain um asks him where are you going to be and he says around and um cut to kind of a wider shot he's not going to retire
1: or is he like we got retired i think it can be read
0: either way that uh you know sure you know he's he's either gonna stick around yeah Yeah. either he's gonna stick around and he's gonna be involved or he's gonna stick around for a while longer as a detective or he is gonna retire but he's not gonna necessarily leave and go work a farm like he had mentioned earlier um and you've got the wider shots with the helicopters circling and everything and we've got um at this point, uh, voiceover from Somerset saying Ernest Hemingway once wrote, The world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part, he says. I
1: think maybe that's why I was thinking maybe he, he sticks around, maybe he becomes either private or just stays around, doesn't retire
0: because of his, his comment. Yeah, well, cut to credits and David Bowie. Um, I will say, you, think you that was
1: David Bowie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Heart's Filthy Lesson. That is some classic mid-90s David Bowie right there. He got into a very, very um, sort of grungy industrial vibe with his music. I know
1: he's experimented with music. Throughout
0: all the decades of his music, he has – yes, absolutely. And this was around the time he was getting uh, to become friends with Trent Reznor as well. They did a song together, I'm Afraid of Americans, uh, a couple years later in 97 or 98. Um, But, yeah um, – so I mentioned the helicopters and yeah. the great audio of them just circling around and everything, especially in this end scene where they're on the ground and the captain and Somerset are having their conversation and you can hear them in the distance. Um, so you had mentioned to me how it sounds like there's a nice 4K release of this coming out before Toulon. I remember uh, he, <clears throat> Was I remember, it uh
1: Fincher? Like he was being in, he was doing like a panel after with uh, Steven Soderbergh, I think. What's it? Is is it trip one? Is it tripica? I think it's called the festival. They were talking. Oh, they said that yeah. he's
0: working on a four K release of uh, you know seven. Nice, very nice. It's it'll be worth it. Um, even though I watched this on Hulu myself, maybe you watched it on Disney Plus. I don't know, but um, no, no, no. That's a new line movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but uh, ultimately, um, I actually, I rented it. The film. It looks fantastic, even in just HD on Hulu. Um, But I'll tell you in the late 90s or early aughts, there was just this nice DVD release of it where the slipcover cover looks like one of uh, John Doe's notebooks. And it, uh, was,
2: it was a popular
0: release at the time because it had uh, a very nice DTS soundtrack like multi-channel 7.1 on it, which was kind of a big deal for just a DVD back then. And I remember just how good the sound was. You felt like that helicopter was circling around your room, it was so cool. But uh yeah, this I is a...
1: is the one who's overseeing the this this version. He's like, I think he says something like, "I don't want another person to miss it. I'm going to oversee." Very good. Or, or he, I think, he even pokes fun and the uh, Star Wars Special Edition. He's like, "I'm not gonna add some add new footage or extra like, something like this." He,
0: I don't think he's the kind of director who would, honestly, I think he's the kind of person who's only going to make sure that things look crisp and clean, that the audio is perfect, that he's got a good mix with everything. Um, yeah, that if there's any restoration that needs to be done because something is degraded, I could see him doing that, but otherwise, no, I don't see him fucking around with adding scenes or anything like that. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up for sure, um, because we did sort of tap dance around this as we were discussing the film, um, repeat viewings, you have all these little teases about, you know, what's going to happen to the wife, you know, because there's all the little comments about, I'm going to go home and see my wife or, you know, Tracy this and Tracy that, and it's all leading up to what has already happened earlier in that day. Um, it's again wonderful movie for repeat viewings because you pick up on little things that were right there, and you know either you know what the killer is doing. I also, or, right yeah. before we
1: begin to show, like uh because we know that Kevin Spacey, like he, he plays you know John Doe, but didn't didn't even market him, and he was actually a late addition to the film. And I think he said no, but Brad Pitt talked him into it because that's how some of the casting of Brad Pitt talked him into them. Like I think Gwyneth Paltrow the same thing.
0: Well, uh, and there's also the very well-known bit of trivia, how they left his name out of the opening credits uh, because they wanted his conclusion to be a surprise. But uh, they put his name in the end credits twice then as uh, sort of making up for that. Because as soon as the credits roll, he's listed as, you know, and Kevin Spacey as John Doe. Mm -hmm. And then later on when they get through the cast, he's in there as well. But Yeah. uh, yeah, it's such a shame because, you hate it, but Kevin Spacey. Do you know who the
1: Fincher wanted for John Doe? And oh, why the reason why he wanted that actor?
0: Who did he originally want? Ned Betty. Do you oh. know why? What? <laughs> what, in the heat of the night? or
1: <laughs> No, no, he wanted Ned, because he looked like the Zodiac girl in the drawings. Oh. The... <laughs> well, that's kind of perfect, isn't <laughs> it? funny enough, you end up doing Zodiac, which I think yeah. is a, a, an underrated movie, but unfortunately that movie bombed.
0: Yeah. Zodiac. Zodiac is fantastic. I'm just, I'm still distraught that that is my, my one fucked up episode where, you know, a two hour wonderful conversation with Matthew Hidalgo where only roughly half an hour of audio is usable. And a lot of it's pretty rough. It's so sad because that was such a good time and you hate to revisit it because you know, that that conversation's lightning on a bottle right you're never going to recreate it it's so that's a shame but um yeah yeah zodiac is pretty fantastic that's that's one where i would love to see a nice criterion cut of that film because you know they're i know he
1: has the game on criterion that's his only only that's true i have that one yes (laughs) benjamin Button is no longer available the criterion Uh, he did the game which is still on right
0: yeah, uh, I've got the I've got that Blu-ray uh, Criterion release. Yes, uh, love you the game. Who played
1: Michael Douglas dead in, in the game?
0: Oh, I forget who.
1: Uh what's his name? Uh Charles Paul Martinet, the voice oh.
0: of Mario. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I think I have read that. I yeah, I think I have read that. Yeah, um, but yeah, um. Seven is such a taut, yeah. well and I put think together. Finch admit,
1: like he he feel like he didn't do a great job with the game also
0: because he feels like I wish I I did a better job with it. Well, and I think that's but him growing like as a director. Like he wasn't like, quite the, uh, the the master that we think of him as back then, was he? It's yeah. you know, he was still getting there, but still I love those films. I now back to Seven. He <sighs> back to seven um kevin spacey the
1: girl with the dragon tattoo his version of that film
0: i like his adaptation of that uh i love the original tv movies from sweden they're really good uh they, Rep- TV
2: movies? I thought they, were, they were movies.
0: they were released theatrically but they were original originally television films um wow. but uh yeah i we we have to address the elephant in the room of kevin spacey um who is you hate to say it, but just a phenomenal fucking actor, but yeah. just a I mean, look, shit human being. You have being. to admit, if, if you watch something, if the person starts to be horrible,
1: like you have to, you have to be open with it. It's like, yeah, he's, he's good in it. I mean, how oh, many movies we saw that yeah. had Mel Gibson in it, that we was like, yeah, he's a great actor, even if he's a horrible person.
0: Yeah, really. I mean, um, and then the it's, many things I mean, now I, we got. <clears throat>
1: I know that's another story.
0: Yeah, I think you uh, rewatched stuff, seven.
1: Like, look, you watched something, and you have to admit it's like, yeah, this is the truth. I mean, yeah. like, I did not saw the flash, but people in her story, it's like, look, Ezra Miller is a horrible person, but he was good in that movie. Eh, yes, and people. No. I know they say they. Talk, I saw people talk positive. It's like it, it's not like he's the like people say oh, it's the worst thing they've ever
0: seen. He's he he a lot to worse, take so. in that movie. He is a lot. But as far as Kevin Spacey goes in seven, uh, I heard more negative know,
1: stuff about Zach Levi's acting than, Ezra you know, Miller in Shazam two compared
0: to the flash and yeah, never saw Shazam two. But, uh, yes, yeah, as, as far as Kevin Spacey goes in seven, um, I think you look back at this film now and you watch it now and you're, you can't es- escape the specter of who Kevin Spacey is as you watch this now mm-hmm. And in all honesty, it makes his portrayal extra, extra creepy. Um because like you, you,
1: Bill Cosby and Ghost dad
0: Yes, <laughs> like Bill Cosby and Ghoststead. <laughs> Knowing dad. how
1: Cosby didn't at <clears throat> movies like, or Leonard like a horror <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's um it's something. But uh yeah, it mm, good performance, dog shit person unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a good thing that the rest of the people who are acting in this film, like everybody again, firing on all cylinders, just top of their game acting. It's at least you have that going for you (laughs) because they are, they are fantastic. You know, a lot of cool character actors, like you mentioned, the guy who plays the, uh, the, uh, defense attorney at the end of the film. Um, and you know just fun people that you hadn't at that point in 95 when was the last time you saw richard roundtree and actually recognized him in something you know what i mean shaft it's yeah exactly shaft everybody yeah. knew him from shaft and those films but uh you know it, it yeah,
1: Pete, in a lot of bad movies it's like yeah boat trip How was it, uh uh theodore rick's one with booby corbuck and the dinosaur oh, yeah, body yeah. cup yeah. And what yeah. was the steal? What you had him say that line? It's like, man, what's this I like I specifically like the shaft? And they all looked at him was like, What? We are supposed yeah. to be making a, a shaft
0: joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um Yeah, but yeah, between him and Arlie Emery, and even the dude that plays the guy with the knifed strap on, um, and he plays a lot of similar roles, because a couple of years later, he's in Alien Resurrection as the the one colonist who hasn't had his chestburster come through yet, um, who's having the freak out, and uh, similar type of role, but, uh, you know, still... He was
1: also in The taking but he played, I think, Liam Neeson's, like, friend. (laughs) yeah <laughs> he's in the trailer you some like you know this interior was like you have to i think 24 25 hours for what to find your daughter he's the guy who tells them
0: yeah you're right he's one of uh one of his buddies on that yeah. team that he worked with at one time or another yeah. yeah yeah you're absolutely right um also a very underrated dark comedy very bad things with uh mm-hmm. christian slater and charlize theron oh and... i just
1: know that movie that's the peter burke film i didn't yes forget it that, peter Berg did that, film.
0: that it was not well received but it, you gotta look at it like a dark comedy and uh you can have at least a little bit of fun with it that way but uh yeah man seven fucking rips i can't believe it's a you know this month is a 28 year old movie right. shockingly um, and like I said, at the very beginning of this thing, I wish I could go back and see it with absolutely yeah. fresh eyes. Can you imagine, you know, it's one of those films that once that twist is seen, once you know how this plays out, sure, it's enjoyable in rewatches because you can pick out all the little things that lead up to, you know, the end, but you, you just, you can't unsee that again. It's just too bad, but God, what a hell of a movie, man! Thank you for wanting to do this one. Yeah. I know it's. Yeah, one we of We thought your... like with ventures
1: new movie, the killer coming out will be great, and yeah, I which, which looks fantastic. See what he's going to do with also?
0: Yeah, it looks heavily uh, influenced by uh, what is it, La Samurai, uh, which I have never seen, but mention, I, I know of it.
1: Message feels like this movie.
0: Huh? Yeah, it's. Uh, it's also, I know of it, you
1: heard about, but... did you know that they almost made a sequel to Seven? Oh Jesus. Uh, that he's, I don't he's what's on the movie. you want to know what this is going to be apparently he, Somerset was going to chase after a guy a killer who claims to be a psychic and then some sort of later he finds out he's also a psychic
2: hmm
1: they hated the, the Morgan Freeman was like I'm not going to do this film and then I think he read the script and he's like I'm. this is bullshit I'm not doing it they took the script and they wrote and they did the movie with Anthony Hopkins uh, Colin Firth, Abby Corners and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. it's called Sol or something like this.
0: Huh. I don't remember that yeah. one. Yeah, it went and probably for good reason, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Well, Yes, do you have any final thoughts on
2: seven? On, no, nothing,
1: because I would say this is, this is actually one of my favorite David Fincher movie and it is one of my top ten films. I don't remember where the rankings but I have, because sometimes I change my rankings but Oh, of course. They always discover new movies every day, and uh, it's actually a viewable film. I think I know. Yes, it's a very dark film. I mean, but I actually do like this type of movie, especially recently. And like I said, it's, it reminds me like of the same films where people like sometimes they take risks Damn. and stuff. And this one thing I also say about this film, it's not—it's not like a studio safe, especially right now. You watch studios like you watch movies like Zeta, but you felt like, oh yeah, there's they are trying to play it safe. This one's not like. Hey, no, we're not going to play. I mean, oh, even the all. story behind the scenes, like, they, they try to change, they make it a safe film. And everyone yeah. fought it to, to make it like the tone where it is not making yeah. it safe.
0: Yeah, you, you can absolutely tell. This was not test-audienced to death. It, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah and, they, and like you, you mentioned... the it, film
1: to bomb. Yeah. Like, even the, and it did fairly like, well. Yeah, it surprised them, actually.
0: Yep, absolutely. And it really helped to catapult Brad Pitt and... Yeah, uh, it's, it's got a hell of a legacy. Uh, you mentioned you know, what a beautiful film it is at the end of the day. Just from a visual perspective, sure, it looks dirty, but that color palette, that grime, I can't wait to see this in a nice 4K disc.
2: Yeah.
1: And Cinematographer, I've got his name. He's an Iranian-Persian filmmaker, Darius Coons. I think he worked with Ridley Scott in some movies, <laughs> and he also did... Let me check his lesson, because he now has the Bong Joon-ho new movie, Mickey, I think. Oh, cool. He's doing yeah, because he worked with him on Okja, if I'm mistaken. Interesting.
0: Okay. Well, I'll look forward to that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. He worked with a lot of people. like. Very cool.
0: Yeah. Very cool. This This he film has on, like, a was- look, that is for sure. So <laughs>
1: yeah, speaking about, he also shot Alien Resurrection, the cinematographer. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, you know what, it's yeah. not as bad as people make it out to be, it is very I French. I remember when I Alien when
1: I told, "Oh, just one second.
2: Okay,
0: yeah. if you had to No, no, idea. no, you're okay. Uh But... Yeah. uh yeah, did, uh, what was it that she told, uh, was it uh, Lady Macbeth?
1: Yes, I told her that Joss Whedon wrote the New York It's like, oh, that makes sense now. Oh, it uh, makes
0: so much sense when you listen to that dialogue that that is a Joss Whedon film, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think
1: he, he's not, I don't think he's, he, because they did actually Panic Room. He was too creative for cinematography. I think he didn't finish the home movie. I think him and David Fincher had to the fall out. Then they brought in a cinematographer to, to finish the film.
0: Yeah, and I think this writer also did Panic Room, and he's done a lot of script doctoring on a he lot of pan- other he did
1: script, I mean, he did some script doctoring for some
0: David Fincher films. Yeah, a lot of David Fincher and films. And I think
1: it's David Cope, if not mistaken.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah well,
1: he did uh, <clears throat> Uncut James. His, one of his last major thing was Uncle James. Okay. Mickey Seven, That's the movie I was looking for.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to those for sure. Uh, yes, yes, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on again. If you'd like, where can people find you?
1: Uh, Mr. Yasmathan, with Day on Twitter, Mr. Yasmathan on Instagram. Apologies, like Twitter got some, if that's before Elon Musk. For some reason they ate it. I don't know what happened. They suspended my account. I can't get it back. Ugh. And also, like uh, I, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but my podcast, I have it. Redemption of the Rotter, but it's on hiatus because of some work stuff. I couldn't because I don't have the time to record it. But you can check out the episode Redemption of the Rotter on YouTube. Um, was it? Um, uh, oh, yes, uh, I've spent a month since I promoted my podcast, so yeah, I and all the other part on uh, Apple Power Apple Podcast and Spotify, any other yeah. most of the major about okay. Well, you at the very least, have
0: the YouTube link reference. in the uh, in the show notes for sure. It'll it'll be there below.
1: Let's go to my link. I think it's link three slash yes. The hundred pro. You'll find my links. Everything where you can there find you it. There you
0: go. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, again, thank you for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Yep. Uh, but yep. this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.